Meanwhile, back at the Hall of Justice, our mild-mannered podcasters were bombarded by gamma rays, bitten by radioactive bugs, mutated by toxic waste, irradiated with cosmic rays, born into a world that doesn't understand them. First issue. Hello everybody, it is Wednesday, January 29th, 2014, and you are listening to the Talking Comics Podcast. I am your host, Bobby Shortle. I'm in the house with Steve Say. Hello. Mr. Bob Ryer. Hello there. And Miss Stephanie Cook. Aye. All right, we are <laughs> back. And for the first time in like three weeks, we're having a, a regular type podcast here. Mm-hmm. The three of us in the same room mm-hmm. and Stephanie out there in, in Canada. In Canada. Um, Wild. You can't see us this week, so I'm very sorry for you guys on that. Um, yeah. I know you guys are, are missing our faces, our beautiful faces, talking my, about comic books. My hair looks amazing tonight. It does. It I does. wish you could all see. He's wearing a, a very sexy striped long sleeve shirt. Golden fields of wheat. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, obviously, uh, we are going to be uh, doing our books of the week in a little bit, and we're going to talk some news, and then... Uh, and then for the topic of the show, we're going to be doing uh, predictions for 2014. We each came both five, and uh, we also put out the call for some listener predictions, and we got some of those as well, and we'll read those later on. Um, but first, uh, so I picked a place uh, where I'm going to get married. That it's happened. Congratulations. Yeah. Is it still the same date? It's, it's the day after. No. Is it so it's magical? the 26th now. It's the 26th. It's Sunday. Okay. Um, uh, is it get, Narnia? It, no, it's not Narnia, but it is an aquarium. <laughs> Oh, are you what? getting married at the Long Island Aquarium? Yeah, get the awesome. fuck really? Yeah. Um, that's the. Oh, I don't want to go to your wedding. I just want to go to the aquarium. Well, thanks a lot, Stephanie. <laughs> oh. Please, are you getting it? married inside the Shark Tank? <laughs> we're not going to get married inside the Shark Tank. Oh. No, we're not getting married. We might do pictures in there though. Nice. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, we we booked it th- this weekend, and um, that's crazy. Yeah, yeah. So, wedding again? What? When is it? It's in October, October twenty seventh. Now everybody knows they can't. You can't crash the wedding. <laughs> Not you, Stephanie. I'm talking to people out in the, out in the world. Oh. Yeah, we just told them Why the, the day co- and the a, place. I know. Let's <laughs> make a contest. Crash the wedding. <laughs> um, well, I mean, you don't have to crash the wedding because everyone obviously here is invited. Um, oh, look at shenanigans! Of course, um, and there'll be real invitations to come in the mail at, at, at a later date. Obviously, uh, are they going to be nautical themed? I don't know if the invitations are going to be nautical themed, but they will be awesome. I'll tell you that right now. We're going to make them ourselves, so they're going to be they're going to be awesome. Glitter? No glitter. Calm down. <laughs> All right. You get to pet the stingrays, like, Stephanie. That is like the herpes of the craft world. <laughs> it's not yeah, good. It never goes away. But yeah, there there is a lot of cool stuff to do there. I mean, can she bring her scuba equipment? She probably no. Oh my <laughs> god! You have the ring bearer has to be a penguin. <laughs> I don't know if they, they have. I don't know if they can train penguins to do that. I, yeah, you'd be surprised. Oh, yeah, I've seen well, some pretty sophisticated <laughs> penguins in my day. They can shoot missiles, they, right? Yeah, they already have the they already have the tuxedo. Yeah, they can shoot yeah. missiles. Dress <laughs> the child up as a penguin. Okay, I'll do that. Um, <laughs> so it's really cool because the. Uh, all of the there's several places you can do your ceremony. They give you like five different places. Um, 
there's one that's like a there's actually like a theater it's like a it's like where the sea lions are and the sea lion tank and there's like a theater uh so we're gonna do the ceremony there Um, i know exactly where you're talking yeah uh there's um you can do this you can like steve was saying there's a shark tank where you can get in a cage and do the ceremony. They have a Navy certified diver who performs a ceremony <laughs> for you. They get, there's like a wetsuits that are tuxedo and wedding dress. How the fu- how could you not go for that? <laughs> That's amazing. Um, we definitely want to go in and take pictures yeah. in there, but we're not we're not going to do the actual ceremony there. And then the, the reception <laughs> is just all throughout. Like the tables are in the aquarium. Um, wow. And we're gonna do it uh, buffet style, and the buffet is lined up uh, um, right across all the viewing windows of that Shark Tank. Are you gonna serve seafood? I'm sure there's seafood. Yeah, that's one of the things. Yeah, it's weird. I know, right? Oh, <laughs> can I pick? Can that's I pick like, my that's my like food? I'll take that fish over there. I'll <laughs> yeah, take that, him. Like telling those fishes, like, if you don't fucking jump when we tell you to, this is you. Right, yeah. you're on that you plate. You next weekend, yeah. Stephanie. You know what they have at this place? They have a huge otter exhibit. Oh, they do. Yeah. What? Yes, yeah. they totally do. They have a <laughs> huge. Right back. Never. <laughs> Um, and uh, one of the cool things too is p- one of the options you can do you can add on for a, a certain fee is you can rent out the arcade for the night so people can play games throughout the there's night there's an arcade oh. yeah. yeah there's an arcade what there what is this magical place and why don't I live there <laughs> <laughs> um, it's pretty awesome yeah so we, uh, we're we're really excited um, yeah it's it's gonna be fun and the nice thing too is that it has a hotel like they own the hotel that yeah. is right right there so it, it's great accommodation for people who are coming out of town because I got a lot of family coming from out of town and stuff. But I had it's, no idea that you could get married there, dude. That's yeah, really yeah. cool. Yeah, we were doing research on like you know we wanted to kind of offbeat venues because I people, people don't know I work I do wedding uh, cinematography for my my regular job and I've been to like every place in Long Island and I've been to so many weddings and we really wanted to do something that I wouldn't feel like I was at work you know while <laughs> I was I was doing it and they apparently do a lot of events there but we had I've never been there and we went there and. Um, the guy who showed us around was, was awesome. And, uh, my fiance just like fell in love with it immediately. So <laughs> we worked it out. We called him on Sunday and we, uh, we booked it. How'd you even know that they do that there? Um, Karen actually brought it up to me. Wow. Um, and then we did some research on it and it's you know, a big part of their website and stuff like that. So yeah, it, wow. it was cool. And the food seems great. We get a lot of food. We get a lot of cool accommodations with, with it. Oh my God. I'm so excited. Yeah. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be, it's going to be pretty cool. Um, and I keep forgetting to talk about this, but speaking of uh, of my fiance Karen, uh, the other day we were at Target and we were walking by the Valentine's Day stuff, and there they have you know the the, the Valentines like the kid Valentines, yeah. um, and they have like superhero themed ones. And she offered to uh, for any listener who wants a, a Valentine, she will write out a personal Valentine and draw. She draws like these little these All funny the mood blob things. These <laughs> mood blobs. She'll draw a personalized mo- uh, mood blob. It's obviously going to be limited to a certain amount of people because she only has so much time. We only have so many uh, um, Valentines. But um, yeah, so if you guys have interest, just shoot me an email at bobby at talkingcompbooks.com and uh, we will uh, work that out. Wow. E. <laughs> well, yeah, well, send me an email. All right. Okay. Because <laughs> I won't remember. I want one. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, w- w- for a nice little comic book Valentine's Day uh, mm. for that. Um, yeah. So, that's what I did this weekend. That is fantastic. Yeah. I'm jam packed. It was jam. Yeah. It was actually, you know, we were really stressing out about the venue, obviously, because it's, it's such a stressful thing. And the whole planning thing is just ridiculous. But it's just beginning. I know. Uh, but uh, we were really, we were very stressed out, mostly because we're not worried that we, we weren't that. Um, worried about the place only because we didn't really care where we got married as long as it wasn't something a typical catering hall Uh, but we the places we were looking they were kind of offbeat the the, the cost was getting very prohibitive as far as like we were thinking about doing a barn wedding and 
the the price to rent the barn without any tables, chairs, food, or anything was mm. like half of our budget. You know, wow. so we just couldn't do it, and, and so we were getting worried that we, we weren't going to be able to find a place that was the kind of vibe we were looking for for the for the price we wanted. Um, but we just, you know, we were like, we'll, we'll, we'll go to this, we'll go to the aquarium, we'll, we'll see what it's like, we'll see how we feel about it, and we loved it. It was when we were, we were in the car driving to the place. I was like, I feel so adult right now. Like, I feel so grown up. <laughs> I've never felt so grown up my entire life than this moment right now where you and I are going to a venue to see about getting married. Like, it was just a very yeah, surreal man. experience, you know? It's a trip. Congratulations. Yeah, thank you very much. Thank you, thank you very much. Um, awesome. So, yeah, so we're going to hopefully plan some cool stuff for that. But, uh, yeah, so that – I watched a couple movies. That's what I did this weekend. <laughs> seems, I watched small a couple home. movies too. Oh, yeah? I good? Am, uh, well, it depends. <laughs> I am – I'm on a kind of a, an Arnold Schwarzenegger okay. revival Could be good. Kick. Could be horrible. Could, yeah. I watched Escape Plan and The Last Stand. Okay, those are like the, the most recent like ones. The most recent ones yeah. that he did. The Last Stand was like hokey. Yeah. Uh, like – I actually kind of enjoyed it. I saw it in theaters for shits and giggles. <laughs> it was it was really something special because <laughs> there were aspects of it you could not take seriously by any stretch of the imagination. But with those movies, I mean, I don't I don't need much. Mm-hmm. The villain was really over the top. Mm-hmm. The the action was quite gory for the the tone, the overall tone of it. Um, but I will say. I really, really, really enjoyed the hell out of Escape Plan. Oh, really? It was something about the pacing, the both of Stallone and Schwarzenegger being on screen at the same time. There's something about older Arnold, the like the graying Arnold mm. that I Governor Arnold. Yeah, like I don't <laughs> know. I'm, I'm just I'm just, I was a huge Arnold Schwarzenegger fan growing up. Me and my dad watched the movies all the time. And he's been gone for a long time. So him coming back and still doing these like old man action roles, I'm I'm totally <laughs> digging it and just, you know, throwing whatever to the wind and just sitting back. Um I liked Escape Plan better mm-hmm. than The Last Stand, but The Last Stand still had a lot of fun to it. Mm. So they were both pretty good. Yeah. I watched uh, Blue Jasmine, the Woody Allen movie. Oh. Kate Blanchett. Ooh. It was really, really good. Really, really good. That's the Bernie oh, Madoff. Sort of thing, yeah, right? yeah. It's it, the Alec Baldwin plays kind of like a Bernie Madoff type character, and Kate Blanchett plays the his wife. And it's more really about the fallout after she's lost everything than her the actual you know the, them scamming you know, him scamming people and stuff. Uh, but really good, Blanchett is fantastic. Mm-hmm. And uh, then I also watched Captain Phillips. The oh, you're doing Oscars too, right? I am. That's what Me I'm doing. Me too. <laughs> that's what I've been. I had like um, a marathon last weekend with my best friend and then watch more throughout the week so yeah um i got gravity i'm gonna watch gravity see gravity sometime this week it's still in theater oh. so i'm finally gonna go see well, it well they re-released nice. it in theaters yeah right? yeah they re-released it so it's still around here actually most of the movies are in the theaters around here mm-hmm. it's, it's actually mm-hmm. it's nice for the first time i think in a, in a bunch of years everything everything you you would want to see is actually accessible in, in all like legal ways <laughs> yeah. i actually saw uh, gravity when i was still in new york after new york comic-con oh really Cool. Hmm. Um, Captain Phillips was really good. I was not really, I wasn't excited to watch it, but it, it was in the red box and it was nominated for the Oscars. So I was like, oh, I'll check it out. Uh, really good. I mean, Tom Hanks was awesome. Like, it's the best I think I've seen him in, in a very, very long time. And to the point where there were times where I forgot I was watching Tom Hanks in a movie. Wow. And it's mm. really tough when somebody's that famous to get lost in their performance. Hmm. Um, and uh, Green, Paul Greengrass's director did the, the, the second two Born movies and he did uh, uh-huh. United 93. Um, really good direction. It was, it was, it was, it was 
it, it was a great job of being very real when it needed to be and also pulling back sometimes and feeling like a, a, a thriller so you could it also had entertainment value because I think United 93 is a brilliant movie but it's a very tough movie to watch um, you know other than just a one time to appreciate mm-hmm. it Captain Phillips I feel like has enough in it where you could watch it multiple times um, to get a kind of very base level movie enjoyment out of it so that's on my list yeah it was good it was much better than I expected it to be um, I yeah. finally I got around to seeing her oh I haven't seen it yet I want to see it so it's so good but like mm-hmm. I, I, I don't I don't want to spoil it but like I knew the general synopsis for it, mm-hmm. but I hadn't watched a trailer. Okay. And so uh, Amy, she lives upstairs, came down. We started watching it, and there's, like, all these really uncomfortable sex scenes and stuff. <laughs> like, there's this one scene where somebody wants somebody to strangle them with a dead cat. And I was like, <laughs> this is so uncomfortable. <laughs> I feel so weird watching this with my best friend. Like, <laughs> oh. And then, like, it, seriously... I mean, neither one of us are like prudes or anything, but it was just like, oh, this is so awkward. I can't imagine anyone. I feel sorry for anyone who saw this with a family member. <laughs> yeah. But like, what'd you think, Grandma? <laughs> yeah. Oh, except for the so cats. Good. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's so weird because like without Scarlett Johansson's face, like it took me a second to be like, who's that voice? <laughs> and my friend's like, it's ScarJo, and I'm like, oh, <laughs> well, that makes sense. Yeah. But, um, did you see the Jonah Hill? Uh, sketch from no. Saturday Night Live where it's called Me and it's, no. it's his own voice talking back to him at, I, as the A. It was very funny. I saw like the, Paul Giamatti did like a voiceover for it too. Oh, really? Like, there's lots of people doing like little spoofs of it. I suspect the Oscars will actually have, you know. I'm, I'm sure. But yeah, I watched that and like American Hustle, Prisoners, The Secret Life of Walter Mitty and oh, wow. Inside Lewin mm. Davis. I really want to see Inside Lewin Davis. It's so good. Her mm. and Lou. Lewin Davis is probably my favorite. Nice. Hmm. Very nice. But it got snubbed. So. It did. I um, just watched it for, you know, solidarity <laughs> and shit. Uh, speaking of things that you love, Stephanie, um, Steve Rob something to me right before we started here. There's a, oh. a Rachel Rising uh, contest going on. Terry Moore yeah. is running a Rachel Rising contest. Steve, yeah. you were talk- telling me about it. Do you want to? Sure. I mean, I don't have anything in front of me, yeah. but what it essentially is, is uh, a contest where people can basically make a Rachel Rising display or come up with some kind of uh, photo opportunity, whether it be a t-shirt, whether it be, you know, a big piece of oak tag with your own Rachel Rising logo on it. And what Terry Moore wants you to do is basically take a photo of you holding that article or wearing that article of clothing in a creative spot and send it into him. And what he's going to do is there'll be one winner and then there'll be 10 uh, honorary winners. And the winner will actually be drawn into Rachel Rising numbers uh, 25 and 26. You will be a character that will have a major role, then be killed by the 10 year old uh, Zoe. So, want to play? I you told you she would say that. Um, if anybody follows us on Twitter, it's at Talking Comics. We retweeted uh, the rules and website where you can find out all the information. I follow Talking Comics. <laughs> <laughs> um, it looks to be, you know, a really cool opportunity to, you know, scare up some some more interest in the book and maybe alert some people to its existence and just get you know, fans of it interested. And I mean, it looks really cool. I would kill to be in, you know, uh, Rachel Rising. So I'm going to have to look into the 
the stuff myself and see if maybe I can't come up oh, with something. I'm looking. The contest's over. None of you want to enter except for me. <laughs> no, over. I just saw it. Um, Everyone else loses. Yep. Uh, we oh. will. Well, maybe it won't be there because Stephanie writes the post, but we will put the link to Terry Moore's <laughs> website in the post so you guys can check that out. Um, the, it's cool. You know, they, like I said, you're in two issues. Issue 20. Oh, one. Either issue 25 or issue 26. Oh, okay. You'll be drawn into and then killed. The winner will also receive uh, the page of the original art depicting your fictional death scene. What? (laughs) Seriously, (laughs) contest is over. (laughs) Signed and dedicated. um, And the the brush used to draw it signed as well. (laughs) And a signed copy of the comic. I can hear Stephanie hyperventilating. I know. (laughs) Pretty cool. Pretty, pretty cool, yeah. Stop so, telling them about it. <laughs> <laughs> you go to terrymoreart.com to check that out. This oh. could be a photo of a scuba diving yeah. woman on top of a tiger shark with yeah, a Rachel Rising sign. There you go, yeah. Steph. Yeah, you just, you just cracked it right Take there. Take an underwater photo. Yeah. Get something oh you can God. bring under the water. Find like some really awesome like coral reefs or something yeah. and, and take a photo. Yeah. Nothing says awesome like coral reefs. <laughs> 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 no, I'll find a panther. Find the little mermaid. Panther. Text, I'm going on a trip next week. Don't actually die to fictionally die in a comic book, all right? How about a manatee wearing a shirt? That'd be great. All we found was this awesome Rachel Rising <laughs> picture. <laughs> I win. Uh, it was nothing left of her but a Rachel Rising picture <laughs> and a bloody thumbprint. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's very on theme. On the yeah. It's very on theme for Rachel Rising. Uh, perfect yeah i'm excited now. so yeah so check that out yeah definitely check it out um some other uh quick news here um last week i believe it, it was either last week or week before i don't remember which one it was but uh it was announced that uh kyle higgins was going to be off of nightwing in fact nightwing will be ending uh with issue 30 um, he's not even writing the last issue actually james tinney and the fourth is writing the, the the last issue um and but what was announced in tandem though was that he would be stepping in to write Batman Eternal, be one of the Batman Eternal writers, as John Lehman left to go and uh, work on his creator-owned work Mm -hmm. after his fourth issue uh, of the book. Um, It's going to be interesting to see here. I mean, because Nightwing is a a pretty popular book. It sells well, well well-reviewed, well-regarded. I I wonder why they're, they're, they're canceling the book. Like what plans they have? I mean, we obviously know there's something's going to happen with 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 Dick Grayson mm-hmm. at the end of Forever Evil. We don't know what it is yet, um, but I, I I I hesitate to think this points to like him having a death in that in that storyline. Yeah. It just seems too obvious that they because it's been very very public. You know, they have there's never been no hiding it. So I I don't think they kill him. I don't know. See, what do you think? You think maybe he'll be turned? Maybe he'll become a villain and they have to rename him. That's the that's a possibility. Like yeah. he self proclaims him as X, and then the new book is Darkwing. Yeah. yeah, yeah, there yeah, you go. Yeah, yeah, it's possible. Daywing, <laughs> Darkwing Duck. <laughs> He's like, let's get dangerous. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, if if we're not going to go the death route, then mm. perhaps that's one possibility. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a. We'll, we'll have to see what happens, but it's a shame. I know people, a lot of our listeners love that book. Um, it gets talked about a lot as, as, one, as a favorite series, and it's a shame to see it go away, but hopefully, uh, obviously, Heiligans is, is doing his, his creator own work over at Image, and then there's, he's taking over Batman, he's going to work on Batman Eternal, so he's not going anywhere, but it's a shame for people who, who love Cre- that book. His creator own project looks amazing, though. Cowl? Yeah, yeah, Cowl, yeah. It, it looks very cool. It's a really cool premise. Like, I mean... I I think people like 
I don't know. It seems like something that's sort of, I don't know, Ed Brubaker-ish. Like, it's like mm-hmm. um, one of those ideas where it's like noir, but then it's like superheroes. And mm-hmm. I don't know. No, it definitely. Um, hey, if Nightwing is selling, it'll be back. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's commerce, so. Yeah, it will be back. Well, it's just, it's just uh, there must be something creatively getting shook mm-hmm. up. Um, with with the character for them to stop yeah, the series didn't get the right pitch to restart it perhaps and maybe yeah I know yeah. I know he was he he t- he well in the blog he was you know not he was he definitely he didn't say anything like negative about the company but he definitely said I didn't want to stop writing the character oh. so I, I think there's just something very big going on with 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 Dick Grayson and they're gonna change up his kind of role um, and maybe they felt there was someone else right for that for that direction uh, in in kind of the TV side of things. Um, the, uh, this the, this week's Arrow, which is going to be airing today, I guess if you're listening to this on Wednesday, um, is bringing back uh, the Huntress, Helena Bertinelli, Ugh. and um, it's going. Did you just say, Ugh. I didn't yeah. like. I didn't like her character. Oh really? She, she like was her. one of the earlier things about the show yeah. that I didn't care for. Really? She was the best thing about the show to me. I like her because I think she lines up very well with the. She's the Helena Bertinelli version. Mm-hmm. Of, she's not the the Helena Wayne right. version. So she has the mobster father and she's out for friends. She's a school teacher. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. With a crossbow. Yeah, exactly. So it's, it, it, uh, um, she's coming back. And then, um, there's also, uh, there's also like that, that canary who has been in and out of the show in the last, in this season will be entering the fray as well. The name of the episode is birds of prey. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So <laughs> we're going to, we're going to see what happens. Um, as we go along, the, the thing is there's a hint of something bigger coming um, later on with, with that whole group. They, they've mentioned that there possibly could be something and in integrating those characters into the Arrow universe and then possibly into, a, you know, the bigger kind of part of their own show. Um, hmm. And speaking of Arrow spinoffs, quickly, uh, they announced some casting for the Flash spinoff. Uh, we're almost now definite that Wally West, well, if Wally West is in the show, he is most likely going to be uh, African American because Jesse L. Martin, who is known best for being on Law and Order, mm-hmm. um, and he originated uh, the role of Tom Collins in Rent on Broadway, um, is now just announced as Detective West uh, on 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 The Flash, and they also um, announced. Um, I'm going to say his name is Rick Con- Cosnet. Um, he's going to be playing Eddie Thawne, uh, a, a detective recently transferred to Central City who carries a dark, mysterious secret. Um, Thawn you know, is the last name of Professor Zoom, mm. the, the reverse Flash. And then uh, Daniel Pennybaker is going to play Caitlin Snow, who ends up becoming Killer Frost as well. So they've already oh. started to mm. thread in uh, villains and characters throughout this, this, entire, cool. um, this entire universe before the show even mm. launches. Um, is there even a soft date for this? It's supposed to be next fall. Okay. Yeah, it's it's being developed and being. I don't know if it's being shot yet, but it's definitely it's yeah. definitely happening. Um, so that that wasn't a, a, a ton of a ton of news um, that brewed. Other than that, I mean, unless you guys want to bring something up, I know. Wait. Well, but... Oh, I'm yeah. so glad yeah. that they they had, were thinking of Josh Gad as the thing for yes. the Fantastic Four, and I'm so glad that just before we started recording this, they squashed that. Oh, did they? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> don't even know who that is. He's Olaf in Frozen, which I'm sure doesn't give you much of a visual unless you're... <laughs> but. The cartoon Frozen, not the one on the ski lift. Yes, the yeah. cartoon Frozen. Okay. <laughs> Someone tweeted like, oh, Adam Green must be so excited that Frozen has made a million yeah. dollars worldwide. <laughs> not that Frozen. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. he's the voice. Um, yeah, I, 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 I did not hear that it was squash. I just heard the, the rumor come up. 
yeah, my friend told me about it. And he's like, Google him. And I'm like, is he Olaf? And then it came up and it was like, he will not be in, he will not be playing the thing in Fantastic Four. And I was like, thank God. <laughs> Are they doing suit this time or CGI? I think it's going to be motion capture CGI. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, mm. Didn't they do suit last time? Yeah. Yeah. Michael Chiklis insisted. He yeah. wanted to be on the set interacting mm. with other actors. Right. It seemed to work. Yeah. I, I guess. One of the few things in the movie that worked. <laughs> I still say the, the other thing suit was just as good. Yeah. And it had a brow ridge and everything. <laughs> Apparently, I'm coming. I just read like a little press thing that he, he went to tw- on Twitter. Apparently, and um, he addressed like the chatter, I guess, about everyone being like, is he the thing? And his tweet was, I'm currently deciding between playing Aquaman and The Flash. I'll let you know when I reach a decision. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty funny. They asked, uh, what's his name? Uh, Josh Holloway? You know, from Lost, and he's on yes. uh, John Teller's uh, now, about no. it, about being Aquaman. And he was like, yeah, I'd do it. <laughs> he's, he's like, that'd be really cool. <laughs> it was really funny. Um, <laughs> you don't like Josh Holloway? <laughs> Who doesn't like Josh Holloway? <laughs> Who is he? He's he's, uh, he's this tall, blonde, long blonde hair. Aquaman. Yeah. <laughs> there you yeah. go. He's Sawyer no. from Lost. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it doesn't mean anything to me. Sorry about him. that. Yeah. I've seen um, three minutes of one episode. scowls at people. Don't you walk away from me. Uh, yeah, his entire acting career is squinting and scowling. Okay. He's like the blonde Katie Holmes of acting. I like him. The blonde Katie Holmes of acting. I like him. I think he would make a, a fine Aquaman. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. and there's some other little movie stuff. I mean, Ant-Man moved up to the vacated Batman-Superman yeah. spot. Um, and uh, Marvel. Yeah. They announced that the the Gal Gadot deal is for three movies, which includes a Wonder Woman standalone movie is in the deal. So there, there's that all set up. Um, Just and, because there's one in the deal doesn't mean it'll actually yeah. happen. No, it doesn't. But it's she signed up for those three movies. So there's at least a, a, a blueprint or an intent to, right. to do it. I am so conflicted about that, needless to say. <laughs> so you, you mind if we... Yeah, just we can for talk a second? about it, yeah. There's something really weird with it, with the movie and uh, at some level the comic book too. Mm. Uh, those of us who really love this character, you want to support it, but if you if we support the wrong thing, mm-hmm. it sends the wrong message. If you go to see a terrible movie just because it is Wonder Woman, I want to go and see that. They'll make more terrible movies and do more terrible things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So sometimes you've got to, you know, the expression is fish or cut bait. Yeah. So sort of, okay, let's see. It hasn't happened yet. I want to, we have to see what direction this all takes. I think they hired a, from everything we read about her intentions to do the role properly and pay it respect, I think they've got the right actress. Mm-hmm. I'm going to put the right property together. Yeah, she said that all the, all the things she said have been, have been, have been mm-hmm. very good, and she said all the right things. Um, we'll see, obviously. Again, we're waiting an extra year to to see... Um, what, what that even the first thing the good thing about you you're gonna get a little bit of a test run before you even have yeah, to very you have to see a, a full Wonder Woman movie when she's in uh, Batman Superman so we'll have to see what happens there um, we didn't talk about the delay you know there's a lot of all this thing going on look here's the deal the movie was scheduled for the middle of July if they had to delay it more than a week it was gonna get delayed till the next year because yeah. they're not putting out Batman Superman in September it's just not gonna happen they're not putting it out in January not putting it out in February they're gonna put it out in the summer that's what they're gonna do and so I think that that's all it was. I think they they announced a movie and a release date before they had a word of a script, and they just were not ready to to make a movie yet. So I think that's all that's really there. Um, hopefully, it make making good things. Like I'd rather see a finished movie 
you know. Oh, yeah, that's the thing. We want yeah. good movies, yeah. no matter when they come out, not rushed together nonsense. Now, yeah. was it Returns that was up against the Siegel lawsuit? Or was um, it was it Man of Steel? It was, no, I think they were both kind of dealing under with it. The I, think gun. It, I think Man of Steel, I think Returns was a little bit under the gun, and I think that Man of Steel was kind of in limbo until they pulled that trigger out. Because like, I remember that case got settled the first time, and like, yes. the next day they announced that Zack Snyder was directing Man of Steel gotcha. and it was moving okay. forward. So, so it's a little of both. Yeah, it's a little of both. Um, and then uh, I talked about a little bit th- about this on um, uh, on Comics and Coffee. I talked about it, but... There was all these rumors, right, that got Stephen Amell, who's in Arrow, was talking to Warner Brothers about being in Justice League. Um, and he said this on his Facebook page. Something I need to get off my chest. When I do press, I try to be, I try and I, I try to be open and honest and thoughtful. That being said, I find it incredibly discouraging to see a headline like the ones I've seen, been seeing this morning. Headlines that aren't just a stretch, they're totally fabricated. At no point have I had studio-level discussions about any feature films at Warner Brothers. In this particular instance, when I read articles that take a pretty straightforward answer and slap a title on it that has little to no correlation to what I've actually said, it makes it seem though makes it seem like I'm disrespecting my current position, which is bullshit. And why would I do that? I mean, I'm not the smartest dude in the world. After all, I picked a career in acting. <laughs> but would I really just casually subvert a process cloaked in secrecy? A process, by the way, being run by the company who currently employs me? Come on. We're making a kick-ass show. We'll continue to make a kick-ass show. And I will continue to interact and provide interesting content for our fans. Because I love our fans. If every once in a while some dickweed wants to put a headline out of thin air to generate page views, then that's the price we pay. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I just think that's a pretty awesome thing. You don't hear actors saying things like that, that bluntly, very often. So I think it was pretty cool. Pretty, pretty cool. He's a good man. Yeah, he seems like yeah. a cool guy. Um, Knows his fan um, base. Go ahead, Seth. Go, Stephanie. Oh, and let's, I just wanted to bring up one more thing before yeah, we moved on. totally. Um, so somebody had addressed this uh, on Twitter today, or yesterday, time travel, um, <laughs> and had mentioned to us that we hadn't actually talked about the comic uh, Something Terrible by Dean Tripp yet. Um, and it's not really a book of the week kind of thing. It was a digital comic um, that was a short autobiographical comic about... Um, childhood like sexual abuse okay and just it was a really powerful comic that you know uh he wrote and drew to depict you know his experiences growing up and how superheroes helped him overcome the side effects of what that meant for him Mm -hmm. um and he's doing a kickstarter right now and uh it's already been fully funded it's got four days three days to go by the time you guys listen to this, um, but it's been, it's got 36,000 of its pledged or it's needed $6,000. Mm. So it's got over $30,000 more. But with that being said, it's a really incredible comic. Uh, that means a lot to, you know, people who were affected by abuse growing up and even just people who love comics. It's a great comic. So I just wanted to address that and apologize. Like I read the comic before it got posted to Kickstarter and I guess I never brought it up, but um, to the person who mentioned that we hadn't discussed it on the show, I just wanted to put it out there for anyone else who hadn't heard of it, that it is absolutely brilliant and you should definitely look it up. It's uh, again, something terrible by Dean Tripp. And if you like what you see, um, even though it is over its goal, um, I mean, no one's going to say no to supporting 
sure. you know, the comic more and it's a really great cause and there's some great stretch goals as well. So, um, please go check it out. Awesome. Awesome. Um, you know, sorry, sorry. My, my girlfriend, my fiance was talking to me off, off mic. So <laughs> I got a little out of sorts. Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, so definitely check that out. Um, and speaking of that, since we're already on books, Stephanie, why don't you uh, talk about your book of the week? Yeah. Um, okay, quickly, too. So last week was my discussion about the amazing screw-on head. And a ton of people sent me messages on Twitter after the show to tell me that apparently there was a pilot TV show. What? It was done in, like, the Mike Mignola art style. And it was, mm. like, produced by, um, oh, Brian Fuller. Oh, really? Of course, it didn't make it because Brian, Brian Fuller. Fuller. Yeah. No, I'm kidding. I love Brian Fuller, but like he's cursed. He doesn't have any success. Yeah, he's a pushing daisies guy. And uh, Wonderfalls. Wonderfalls, and yeah. Dead Like Me. And yeah. Anyways. Those are all fun shows. Yeah, he's one of those people that, that everybody, all his people love every show he does and they all fail. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but anyways, my point being is they had a, uh, a pilot that was, I guess, set for like sci-fi or something. And it didn't get picked up, but it's on YouTube. And all these people sent me messages saying you should go check it out. And it's so freaking awesome. <laughs> I don't know how it didn't get made. It's so awesome. It like There's lines in it like, he's been kidnapped by three old women and a monkey. And <laughs> it's like the best thing. Sold. Right there, yeah. that should have sold it. Right? Right? <laughs> Anyways, thank you for everyone who pointed it out to me because I went and watched it and was like, this is the best thing ever. Because it is. So if that's up your alley and you didn't know about it, go watch it. You'll, you'll be a happy people. A happy person. people. That's too bad. See, if there was still liquid television, they could have put that yeah, in there. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, don't even get me started. I loved that show. I watched it every show? week. Oh, liquid liquid television. television on MTV. I don't know what that is. Oh, Stephanie, it's you like would love it. Aeon Stephanie, Flux and stuff. E, e. It's... Sorry. <laughs> mm-hmm. It spawned a couple of different, uh, like, animated series. Uh, Aeon Flux was a part of it. Oh, I own that. Um, the um, the office, office Space, the original, the short mm-hmm. came yes. from that. Yeah. Um, with uh, Milton, with the stapler, or getting pushed into the room with all the files and everything. Mm-hmm. So that the, it birthed that. Um, it was really cool. It was up, like, you had to be up late at night to catch it, and it was really whacked out. Mm-hmm. Uh, I loved it. I thought it was awesome. Yeah, it came in late, had a couple, and that's what you put on. Yeah. Didn't have the, or was that the oddity show with the Max and the head? Do you remember those? The guy with the lawnmower blade stuck in his head, and the, I don't remember. the, the alien that, all right, never mind. I, I think there were some episodes of the Max in it. Yeah. Okay. But then, then it went full series. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, Steph. Anyway, go ahead. Sorry. All right. Sorry. Well, the first thing I'm going to talk about is Midas Flesh number one from Boom. Um, so, uh, if you remember back to our best of list, I mentioned Nimona by Noelle Stevenson. I follow uh, Noelle on Tumblr, so I see a lot of the stuff that she puts out, and I saw that she did a variant cover for this comic called Midas Flesh. Midas Flesh. Yes. <laughs> and um, so I wanted to check it out because it looked kind of cool. And by it looked kind of cool, there was a dinosaur on the cover, is what I mean. Sold. That's what I mean. Yeah. Right. Um, so. I, I'm trying to like find words to start. Okay, so it's it's this story about just like two people and a dinosaur on a spaceship trying to. You don't really know what their mission is, but they're heading back to Earth to try and save it from something. Um, you don't really know what. There's this evil federation 
I assume they're evil because, you know, it seems evil to me. Sinister, if you will. They're against dinosaurs, so that makes them sinister. (laughs) Exactly. Let's see. So um, they're trying to save the Earth from something that has happened. And, you know, it flashes over to this other story about King Midas and how anything King Midas touches turns to gold. But in this story, anything that King Midas touches and then, you know, subsequently anything that another thing touches, it basically just turns the whole world to gold. All right. So their version okay. of King Midas has turned Earth to gold. So our heroes, out! Oh, I hit my elbow, uh, <laughs> are trying to go to Earth to, I assume, you know, fix Gr- this curse. But that is kind of where they leave us. Um, it, it's a really interesting comic. I liked it. An interesting art style, kind of um, more cartoony than comic booky, if that makes sense. Absolutely. Um, and, guys, there's a dinosaur in it. The next issue... Does it like, talk, by the way, the dinosaur? Yes, okay. it does, and it wears a spacesuit. And <laughs> the next, like, the tagline for the next one is, Dinosaurs in love. Dinosaurs betrayed. Dinosaurs with jetpacks. Well, so, I mean, it's old. <laughs> yeah, right? To me, I want one of I've seen it in the shop. We have it. It's, so, it looks pretty cool. I know, I know, like, the plot I've given is a bit weird. I just kind of... I know probably a lot of people haven't heard of it yet, or they have, and maybe I'm just crazy. But um, well, You don't want to give crazy. too much away. It's it's a lot of fun, and I enjoyed it, and I'm interested to see where they go with it. And just quickly speaking about where Noelle Stevenson again. I had a lot of coffee and not a lot of food today, so I'm <laughs> really, like, hyper. I'm sorry, as opposed to when I'm not extremely hyper. Um, but she also has a book from Boom, I believe, called The Lumberjanes coming out, which is, like, Lady Lumberjacks. Right. And I feel like you guys should all go look it up and do pre-orders for it because it looks great. Just saying. <laughs> all right. So Midas Flash number one. That's my first thing I want to talk about. Talked about. Talking about. Done talking about now. Oh, time travel again. <laughs> I know. Uh, all right. Second thing. Furious number one. Ah, uh, I want to read that. Um, so this one is the new comic from um, Brian Jail Glass and uh, Victor Santos. I believe. Um, sure. I believe. I'm looking up the number one here. I believe it's Victor. What did you say the writer's name was? Brian J.L. Glass. Okay. I thought you said Brian J.L. Glass. <laughs> no, J.L., like the uh, I, I got you now. initial. Yeah, I got you now. <laughs> um, anyways, so this is a comic about like a superhero, and um, she basically, um, she wants to fight evil she wants to be a vigilante she has superpowers she can fly she has super strength and she wants to save you know her city from itself and you know bad guys kind of typical vigilante stuff but the problem is she has like serious anger issues you know like when you first i I read the dark horse presents um issue first that kind of does like a few page uh preview of what's to come kind of thing um and then it so it gives you a little bit of background on her, and that one was her going over her speech on, you know, what she'll say to the press, like her little "I am the light" at the, you know, whatever. And the know, end of the tunnel. The, <laughs> not at the end of the tunnel. I don't know what I'm saying. <laughs> oh, anyways, I'm so spacey, more than normal. <laughs> anyways, so uh, basically, she just has like 
serious anger issues. And so, like, her first mission where she goes to save someone, um, reporters show up, and they show up to her, like, beating the snot out of the bad guys and just, like, swearing and, you know, just being like, do you think you can get away with this? And basically just pummeling them. And so, you know, the media won't get off her about this, and it forces her to kind of rethink everything and kind of take a step back. And she wants to be out there on the streets, but every time she goes out there, it winds up sort of being this, you know, incident. She still stops bad guys, but she does it in a way that doesn't necessarily make the people love her and want her to be their hero. Um, so it's a really interesting read. It's a different take on the superhero genre. And, um, you know, instead of being called the beacon, she winds up being called furious. Everyone just keeps on dubbing her furious because she's got fists of fury. I don't think anyone ever says that in the comic. I'm just making that part up. But they should use it. Yeah. But anyways, my point being, it's really good. Um, the art's like a bit different than I think what I've been used to, but different is good. Um, it's interesting and I want to see where it's going. So that's from Dark Horse Comics. And again, it's Furious Number One hmm. by Brian J. L. <laughs> the uh the artwork and even the character design reminds me a little bit of empowered yeah it is that was what i was trying to it's kind of like <sighs> empowered meets like a really you know traumatized superhero girl <laughs> like if superhero girl went down the wrong path and wound up in Aww. a bed like so like her heart's in the right place She's got anger issues. <laughs> <laughs> so, Hence the title. <laughs> yeah. But um, it's really good. So again, it is Victor Santos in case I didn't say that already, but that is the artist. I'm looking at it here. And it's actually out today. I thought it was out last week, but it's out today. Awesome. Indeed. Um, and my book of the week, although there's like 5,000 other things I want to talk about. but <laughs> Go right ahead. Well, I don't know if you guys, are any of you talking about Velvet, Black Widow, or all new X Factor, Bob? I, you can do X Factor. We'll talk about that if you'd like. I don't know what everyone else feels. That's fine. Yeah, yeah. I don't have yeah. none of those books I was going to talk about. So. We're going to be talking about it anyway. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, I was just asking if you were planning on bringing any of those up because then I would just talk about it when you guys did. But, mm. anyways. Anyways. All new X Factor, Bob. It's not my book of the week. I said that, but I was just wondering if, you know you had read it yet and what your thoughts on it were well, we're, we're introduced to some of the new supporting characters they didn't really leap at me and say wow i'm so glad to see these new folks who are old folks fatal abyss and reaper why there's another abyss in the universe now it's going to get very confusing it's a good rescue sequence there's some nice action uh, lorna does some cool stuff Quicksilver is Quicksilver. It's two issues that combined made up kind of three quarters of one issue. It mm -hmm. does seem awfully padded, considering I had to pay six dollars for this. Actually, mm. eight dollars for the the two issues. For yeah. the two issues, I really feel underwhelmed. If there's such a word, How about you guys? I just I don't know. I don't like it. Like honestly, I think the the series has been underwhelming so far. Like so far, these two issues are not making me want to continue with mm -hmm. it. I don't like the characters except for uh, Lorna. 
like Gambit. I don't know. He just doesn't seem like Gambit. Even I mean, in the Gambit series, I didn't like it, but he was he talked and he acted like Gambit to me. Mm-hmm. But in this, he doesn't feel like Gambit. Right. Um. And Quicksilver, like I feel like it's a really weird choice to include him. Sidebar, how awful is that character design on X-Men Days of Future Past? Yeah. I'm sidebar. Yeah. Um, like, I just, I don't know. The characters, I'm not connecting with them in this story. I'm not connecting with the story either. And I just feel like it's really falling short of what it used to be. Oh, I agree wholeheartedly. Yeah, I feel the same way. I, I'm disappointed, you know, to, to, to say that. But I, I feel like it's an odd choice of a first a first story and I, I understand why they're doing it. They're putting the, the kind of the team together, but for us to be two issues in and I, we haven't even seen the, the whole team yet feels uh, very yeah. odd to me. And, and, and the fact that, like you said, okay, that's fine. Uh, you haven't seen the other half of the team yet, but I don't even feel like I am connected to the half of the team that we spent two issues mm-hmm. with. Um, I, I think that, like you said, Bob, I think there's some cool action in it. I think that, uh, the art is, is very nice, and they use the powers and, and what the, kind of these evil scientists are doing in a uh, in a very visually arresting way. And I think that the Gambit Quicksilver stuff w- was all pretty cool, and the stuff that Polaris does is pretty awesome a- as well. But I, I I'm not really going to read the Peter David for for a really good action book. That's right. not really what I'm looking for. You know, I'm looking for that dialogue and that back and forth and that. You know, uh, the, an X Factor, even in the emotional issues, I would at least chuckle you know, out loud to myself reading the book like two or three times. And I haven't l- laughed once reading either of these issues. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's disappointing. I mean, you know, it, it always sounds like I think that he's obviously shown for years and years and years and years and years and years that he can he, he he's a great writer and he can he can make it work. So part of me, because of that, wants to stay on it. But the the part of me that is trying to only read books that I'm very excited about now, it, it makes me want to not pick the book anymore. Well, the part of you that's also paying $4 for a piece of a, of a comic that's not thrilling you or really not, yeah. you know. Well, yeah, absolutely, yeah. But I mean, I mean, listen, the money is important, but for me also, it's just like I said this a couple of times, it's like the mental real estate aspect of it. I just can't keep all the stories in my head. Like until you started talking about the book, I didn't, I, I couldn't have told you what happened in it, you know. And mm. I'm trying to trying to mitigate that. But I'm happy to know that that's I'm not the only person that oh, happens yeah. to. I read too many. Mm. Okay, good. I read too many. Um, but yeah, so that's the problem with, with the book for me. I feel the same way. It's just underwhelming me. As I'm a glad. Title. I'm yeah. glad you guys feel that way too, because like I didn't want to disappoint you, Bob, by not liking it. <laughs> no, well, I don't know. It's just really not what I wanted it to be. Mm. So. You, 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 you buy into a Peter David book because it's the characters. It's a sense that they're real people that you've met and they act in the real sort of un- unbecoming to humanity ways sometimes that ends up being funny. And then they show their courage and there's the, the dichotomy of the real human existence. And this is, oh, this sounds terrible to say it this way, this is a comic book. Mm-hmm. This isn't a slice of life. It's just yeah. a, it's a comic book. It's yeah. a... It's a very well done, mm-hmm. very ordinary yeah. comic book, and I want so much more when it's Peter. Yeah, uh, it feels like one of those comics that you know you could fold up in your back pocket, and if somebody yes. if it fell out, and you know, in between your trip from school to home, it just kind of be like, eh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree with you, Bob, yeah. completely on, on that. It, it just feel, it feels to me like we're in the. This should come at. These should be the like the middle two issues of an arc, not the beginning of one. Because I, I don't. Why do I care about what they're doing? There's no reason for me to care about what they're doing. I don't know what really their goal is for over one mm-hmm. thing, um, and I I don't have any investment in any of the players, you know, hap- doing anything in, in in this situation. So. Uh, yeah, it just it hasn't been doing it. It's a shame. Um, mm. And did any of you guys? Oh, were, did you have another thing to say about that? Nope. Mm. Okay. Did it? Were any of you planning on talking about Black, Black Widow number two? No. Wait. No. No. So let's go. Let's do it. Okay. Um, I really liked it. Uh, Phil Noto's art again, I thought was great. It wasn't as good as the first issue um, to me, but I feel like it continues to build up um, an epic story that hasn't been told before from her perspective. And uh, I like it. Yeah, I really liked it. I think that we talked about this um, from the first issue came out when uh, Joey was on the show, but it, the first issue was very, was very much about withholding information from you. It was just about this kind of getting you, getting to know the character in any way you can get in, in any way you can get to know a character like black widow and not really, t- not really hinting at a larger story or or an overall villain or anything like that. And this issue, it dives in and starts to kind of unravel and and expose some of the other pieces of what's surrounding. Uh, I, keep, I almost keep calling her Scarlett Johansson, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Natasha, um, in in th- in this in, in this world that she's now inhabiting. Look, let's contrast uh, and compare. <laughs> compare and contrast mm-hmm. first two X-Factors and the first two Black Widows. Yeah. This is the exact opposite in terms of what we're talking about. Yeah. This is completely engaging. Mm-hmm. It's a character you know and now apparently we don't. It's mm-hmm. all now new to us and I want to know more each time. We have a lovely little what it just happened at the end here. Mm-hmm. that I'm mm-hmm. not sure. Love the varying time frames back and forth. It's very well handled. And of course, it is Phil Noto, which makes just every page a delight to look at. Yeah, and right? I like how they address the um, the dichotomy and, and kind of the disconnect between who she is in this book and who she is when you see her or who they think she is when you see her in the Avengers, mm-hmm. right? Because, you know, he's kind of like, there's that moment where he's kind of like, you know, you this, this part of you can't come out because what would... What yep. would the other people say if, yep. they, if they knew how you acted in your in your own time? So I like that they address that that difference between the two. I mean, the great thing about it, right, is that it it doesn't feel like the other super. It doesn't feel like just another superhero book. Um, and there's just so many superhero books that when you get these, uh, you know, she's a well known character, obviously, especially because she's been in the movies. But a character that doesn't get a lot of solo time. It's nice. It's completely different than obviously what Fraction is doing with Hawkeye, but it reminds me in a way of what he does mm-hmm. with him because it's it's not about you know being an Avenger. It's not about doing crazy stuff. In fact, it's about a lot of times getting in over your head, you know. And, and I think that's a very interesting place to put a character like and Black Widow. We talk about it time and time again, where you know characters being relatable makes for a better story. You know, characters with flaws and things that. Um, you can just connect with. And while I can't connect with being an assassin, <laughs> I can connect with the fact that she makes mistakes Yeah, and, you know, and she admits it and she knows and she grows from her mistakes. And even though there's a lot of them in issue two, self-admittedly yes. by her, mm-hmm. 
it's an interesting read when your character isn't just, you know, the man of steel. Yeah. It doesn't just, they're vulnerable and they have flaws and they can be killed. And it makes the story that much more compelling when, you know, there's, there's a real person behind those characters, so to speak. Mm. And this, also um, this, the stakes are managed. You know, it's yeah. not, it's not if I don't do this thing, the world is going to mm. end, right? It's that if I don't do this thing, I will probably die. Like, you know, and so yeah. those are more relatable stakes. For me, it's the stakes more than anything else that make a story for me. It, it's, and I think always, I think I forgot who said this, but someone said, you know, if Back to the Future was made today, there's no way that the stakes would be, I'll just won't exist. It would be if I don't do this, the world will come. The world will yeah. end, and I think that too often, in, especially in popular entertainment, and it's because it's an easy place to go. The the world ending becomes the ultimate, you know, penalty if you don't complete your goal, <laughs> and, and that's one of the greatest the great things about Black Widow and Hawkeye and books like that is that it's not about that. It's about personal stakes for for, for the character you're you're watching, and because of that, they seem just as big as a world ending. In fact, they seem bigger because you can understand. And relate mm-hmm. to those. Sure. And one of her set of personal stakes here is that she's disappointed in herself yeah. at, at a certain level and mm-hmm. how she was before. And she mm-hmm. will fix that. However, yeah. that whatever that costs her to do that now, yeah. she will make amends for what happened. Yeah. And I like, too, that it also, I mean, it does it in very brief quantities, which I love, but they also show the perspective of what's going on with her accountant. Mm-hmm. Or is it her lawyer? Or, or lawyer whatever, yeah, yeah. Uh, Businessman. They, they show stuff. Yeah behind the scenes mm-hmm. with him. And I like that, you know, it doesn't all come secondhand from her. Like we see some of what's, you know, going to inevitably be in the books in the future for her through him first. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, absolutely. That's, that's the thing. That was Very awesome. good. <laughs> so is that, is um, that all for you, Stephanie, or you have anything else? No, I'm sorry. Those were like things I wanted to discuss with you guys. Oh, okay. But um, one more thing, I promise. Okay. Well, Rack Queens and Velvet continue to be really, 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 really good. <laughs> um, my book of the week is Deadly Class by Rick Remender. Oh, you, you took my book of the week. <laughs> well, then we can do... Okay, then I'm no, done. No, let's talk about it now. We'll discuss it. We'll yeah, discuss, we'll discuss it. it. Let's talk about it. Oh, I'm sorry. No, it's okay. Remember those good old days when we talked to each other about our books of the <laughs> week before the show? <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. I got other stuff I want to talk about anyway, so it's okay. I'm sorry. It's all right. Let's talk about it. Let's do it. It was. I had no idea where they were going with it at first. Mm-hmm. So awesome. <laughs> Love the art. Yeah. Who's Who's the artist on it? Wes Craig. What else has he done? Do you know? I don't know. Well, it was awesome. Mm-hmm. It was, and Jordi Belair on colors. Mm-hmm. Of course. Because who else even does colors nowadays? Yeah. <laughs> it does seem that way, doesn't yeah. it? Matt Hollinsworth is the other person who does yep. colors. I think they're the same person. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, secretly. Um, but yeah, I had no idea what I was, again, expecting, when, what to expect when I went into this. And it, like half of the book is just, it doesn't really give you what the book is about. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just kind of a lead up. And then... Just like there's like an explosion of action, mm-hmm. and you, you still don't really even know what's going on until like the last couple of pages, and then it's just like, yeah, <laughs> I like. So yeah, love like that it. panel layout. Yeah, the panel layout is great. It, it's it's if people, anybody is reading um, Bachalo's Uncanny X Men, he does a very similar thing with the way he lays out panels and stuff like that. But yeah, the panel layout is, is wonderful. Uh, 
And I agree with you, Stephanie. And it's it's sort of relatable to what we're talking about Black Widow, which is that it starts out very small. It starts out there's this young guy. He lives on the street. He's homeless. He's begging for food. And he's obviously been through a really horrible time. You know, you, you find out that his parents died in a ridiculously horrible way. I mean, it is it is it is really bad. Um, and he just he just was lost ever since then. And you get these hints right throughout the book where there's a moment where he talks about, oh, I, I feel like somebody's watching me. And you're like, oh, he's just being paranoid. And then as it starts to balloon out, you realize he's not being paranoid. And it's not, it, it, he has a past that he, that you don't really know about because you're, you're learning about him as he wants to divulge who he is. You know, it, it, he's a character kind of telling a story. And uh, as, it, as it balloons out and this bigger world starts to show itself, it introduces something that I feel like in most comic books and in most stories like this would be something that had some sort of like a supernatural bent to it, but he completely strays away from that, and it just it's just so ultra. I mean, it's crazy what happens to him, but it's all you know, it's all solid in in a lot of ways. So, uh, really really cool book. I mean, I don't even want to give away what happens at the end of the issue because mm. I think that the issue itself is a really fun kind of unraveling and, and uh, its own its own little mystery built within itself. Uh, and I, I'm, I'm sure that a lot of people checked it out, but some people might be waiting on it uh, to hear to hear thoughts about it. But yeah, I loved it. But between this and Black Science, I, I've just been loving the, the creator-owned stuff by Rick Remender. <laughs> They're so different, too. Yeah, they are so different. Like, if you read both of them and yeah. didn't know who the author was, you mm. would have no clue that they were written by the same person. Yeah. No clue. Yeah, it's true. It's absolutely true. Uh, yeah, so the the art, the colors, the writing, um, all really, really great. Um, the palette is just gorgeous, though. Yeah. Jordi Belair, like, it's I It's not Jordi Belair, though. Is it not? <laughs> it's Lee Lowridge. Oh, Oh, he okay, did The okay, Rocketeer. Okay. He did The Rocketeer? I thought he did. Mm-hmm. I read something else today than she that she okay. did the colors for, because I know I saw her name, and that thought came up and was like, <laughs> what hasn't she worked on? But um, <laughs> this book apparently he's great too. <laughs> yeah, and if this week was like uh, colorist day. Oh really? I didn't know yeah. that. Yeah, sometime this week I saw a bunch of people tweeting about uh, their colorists. So mm. very cool. Maybe it was last week. I don't know. They kind of meld together. It was a few days ago. I put something up. Mm. Okay, so I'm not look crazy mm. or not because of that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Good. Yeah. yeah. Anyways, yeah. sorry, I've rambled on for like a long time. It's all right, but Deadly Class number one is is awesome, and people should definitely pick it up. It, it's it's got a, a real attitude to it, but it, but it's also, I think it's going to be a really great character piece. Um, it's somewhere in there too, and re, the 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 back page, the letter from Rick Remender is really really cool, and really gives you kind of an insight into what what the story is and where it came from. So, yeah, definitely check out Deadly Class number one. It is pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, all right, Stephanie, now you're done? I am, I swear. Okay. <laughs> Where is it? Uh, Steve, what do you got for us? Um, well, I got something that... Uh, so we got these these forums going on, and there's a couple of topics and threads and whatnot, and some people have wanted the... Uh, what is it called, Bob? Off the Beaten Path. Yeah. From the old days. (laughs) From the golden oldies. The golden oldies of talking comics, where I used to 
pick a comic out of the ether and uh, and talk about it. So this is not so under the radar, but I just wanted to bring it up anyway. It's a book called Juice Squeezers, number one from Dark Horse <laughs> Comics. Okay. Um, I got to give credit for this one to Rob Newmeyer, the, uh, ah. our friend and uh, fellow comic book pusher, should we call it? He hates it when we call the him dealer. He's The dealer. He's a de- dealer. No, the dealer is bad, too. Yeah, that's true. Um, he's, Mav- sell- he's a maven. He's a mensch. He's an enabler. He sells That's not comments. good either. We're getting this getting worse. Anyway, he's a mensch. He's just a mensch. Just leave it at that. <laughs> well, he's like, no, never mind. Carry on. He's a munchkin. He's a no. He's not. <laughs> well, he just opened a page, Steve did, and it said munchkin on it. So I, I just, <laughs> I just vapor locked. <laughs> anyway, um, he's a juice kicker. What ju- is he? Juice squeezer. Juice squeezer. Sorry, juice kicker. <laughs> Much. I pay to see that. I'm never gonna get through this. Um, much like when I was at the store and Rob threw uh, the first issue of Imagine Agents my way and he, he does his little thing where he throws the comic down and you look at him and you go, yeah? And he just nods and he goes, mm-hmm. He goes, that's for you. So he hands me this book and uh, it's written by David LaFam, who uh, with colors by Lee Lowridge. Look at hey! that. Whoa! Hey! Whoa! <laughs> He's shit. horning in on Jordy's thing there. What's going yeah. on? Yeah. But um, anyway, um, I believe that uh, Rob informed me that David is also the same person that writes the series Crossed, which is that like really, you know, heinous graphic, a lot of, you know, harsh words. He did Stray Bullets too. Isn't that his? That's coming out soon from Image. Isn't that his? I am not Yeah, David Lapham? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Lapham, that's it. Lapham, yeah. (laughs) Lapham. That's That's his French cousin. Um, anyway, yeah, Stray Bolts is coming back from it. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. a really series that people apparently love that's coming back. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's weird that I, cause I only know him from crossed. I mean, I've never read crossed, but I've mm. thumbed through it every now and again when it hits the shelf and it's, you know, it's interesting. Mm-hmm. It's got some, some creative ways <laughs> of, uh, dispatching people in it. But, um, so to find out that he did kind of a like rural, you know, almost empty town kids book struck me as kind of strange. Mm-hmm. So what this ended up being is kind of a like Monster Squad meets Starship uh, Troopers meets uh, what's the other one Evolution that okay. that movie with David Duchovny. Mm-hmm. Oh, so I remember that one? Now the thing about this comic is I've I've read through it a couple times and a couple pages in particular that I that I read through basically the the origin of this town and and why uh, it's going through what it's going through. And I'm still a little foggy on the details, which I think is strange after it's been explained to me and I'm still a little weirded out on it. But anyway, it's basically about like a motley crew of kids that are sent underground. The Their town is a, they're a very covetous town. They, they like their quiet. They like, you know, who they are and where they live. And they had in a couple years ago, they had a bug infestation of like these oversized bugs pretty much rose up from under the ground to destroy their crops and and so on and so forth. And the entire town fought back. But... Throw some tremors into the mix. Yeah. So they fought the bugs back. They Eventually they won and they kind of like, they culled them back and they they went back underground and everything was good and they they rebuilt. They basically covered it up. Mm -hmm. Uh, And the reason they covered it up is because it was a phenomenon and they didn't want you know, big government or whoever to come in and basically disturb their peace and rip up their grounds and start picking things out of the earth and dissecting it. And, you know, they didn't want to be, they didn't want the town being put on the map for that reason. Mm -hmm. So 
they managed to fix it so that all the bugs went to this one central location underneath this abandoned farm. Turns out that there are two people, a father and son, moving into the town. Um, The farm has been purchased. So now they're coming back and he's got like huge plans to, you know, tear up the earth. He's a he's a uh, not a construction worker, but a uh, an architect Mm -hmm. of sorts. And uh, they're going to basically, you know, rip up the land and make it new and the whole bit. And the whole town's freaking out because they've been trying to keep this whole, you know, phenomenon with these giant bugs under wraps. And now these people are coming in and could possibly screw it all up, but they don't want outsiders to know what's going on in the town. So the object is to take care of it and not alert them to the dangers that they, that they're in. Um, it's pretty cool. It's uh it's going to be a four part mini and um, like I said, it's from Dark Horse. It's called Juice Squeezers. And I mean, if you got a couple extra Bugs. bucks, it's cool. Mm-hmm. It, it's, uh, I wouldn't, it's kind of like, I guess like rated T for teen <laughs> kind of thing. There's nothing too horrible in it. Kids might actually be able to read this and, and get down on it. Uh, if you're kind of a phobic about bugs, you might want to steer clear because it definitely, <laughs> even though the the artwork is kind of innocent and and like almost Archie-ish in a way, the the bug scenes in particular, there's a lot of them. <laughs> so if you have issues with like cockroaches crawling on your skin and things like that, I love it. Yeah, <laughs> but it's it's all done very comically, and uh, I don't know. So far, it's really cool. I I have a feeling that for a four part mini, that it, it's going to be pretty epic. I just get that feeling mm-hmm. off of it so if you want something uh, a little different it says scrawny kids versus giant bugs and it's called <laughs> juice squeezers number one from uh dark horse comics what does the title refer to uh i could tell you but then that would be a spoiler okay <laughs> okay uh, and i know that everybody's gonna go out and buy this because yes. i talked about it <laughs> Uh, but no. I must know what a juice squeezer yeah. is. <laughs> but seriously, it's really cool. I think, honestly, I tell you the truth, I think uh, it's just the name of the group that they're going mm. around, they're squishing these bugs out, okay. and they're, you know, taking care of business. Makes sense. So, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. I made it, it sound like no. some <laughs> complicated thing shrouded yeah. in mystery. <laughs> um, I got to read Dead Body Road, number two, and um, I, I got to hear the morning show, the comic, Comics and Coffee, mm. and I got to hear Mara's thoughts on it before before I read it. And um, it's funny, I mentioned earlier about my whole like Arnold Schwarzenegger revival and thing. Um, even though I feel the book is, is kind of slow mm-hmm. in a way, like slow to deliver, um, I'm still digging it just because I, I do really dig the revenge tale. That's like one of my Achilles heels with stories. Mm-hmm. I just, I, I find them really engaging. Uh, the artwork continues to be really solid from Mateo Scalera. And uh, it's got, I don't know. It's got one of those direct-to-DVD kind of <laughs> vibes to it, but not in a bad way. I'm, I'm not trying to, to insult it any, in any way, shape, or form. But um, it almost feels like, uh, what was it, with Driver a little bit. Gotcha. You know, it's or got a... Stallone movie? No, the movie with oh. um, no, Ryan Gosling. Oh, that's right, yes. Yeah, yeah. The Slow Burn. I liked that movie. You're talking about Drive. Was... Drive, that's yeah. it. Drive it. <laughs> yeah. both we're, we're, we're on. I <laughs> added an R. Whoops. Driver is a video game. Yeah. <laughs> But um, I like I I like the carnage. I just I don't know that I would like this every day of the week. But just the mood I've been in, movie wise, I'm I'm kind of wow. it followed me into comics a little mm-hmm. bit with this. Cool. So uh, if you like action and you like violence and you like a good revenge tale, it's shaping up to be pretty cool. Uh, it's a I, mini, right? Yeah, I, you know I don't know. Um, I it was a mini. 
I think it's going to work better as a trade. Yeah, that's what I'm waiting for. I want to read it, but I just I read the first issue and I was like, this seems like a a, a book for a trade. Yeah. That's what it seemed like. What to is me. it? Dead Body Road. Oh, okay. It's uh, Justin Jordan. I yeah, I don't know if that's a mini or not. Mm. I'm not I'm sure. But um, I mean, it's cool. You know, heist, carnage, aftermath, people coming after people that are responsible, and like I said, it's just I I really dig the. You know, you killed my wife. Now I have to kill you through absurdly elaborate circumstances. But I'm gonna. By the end of the book, I'm gonna do it. Mm-hmm. So you I should not drink and bake. What's that? I read the first issue of this. Yeah, it was good. Yeah. <laughs> hey. I didn't, I, it didn't click with me. Oh, yeah. Like I saw the cover just now, though, when I was looking up whether or not I it was a mini and. Now I remember. Yeah, I mean, I'm not like holding it up at the edge of the mountain like in Lion King or anything, no, but it's really cool. No, I wasn't really saying cool. it's forgettable. Oh, like I'm just that. saying I genuinely thought <laughs> because I'm a space oh. cadet. <laughs> anyway, moving on. Uh, I want to talk about what is Hawkeye number 16, mm. not 15. Not 15, guys. Not 15, 16. Uh, I, you know, it's funny. I, I thought of Bob when I was reading this. Just, Why? Because the... the, the Looney hobo guy who's no. so obsessed with music. Oh, thanks a lot. Yeah, no, no. yeah, great. What uh, the hippie so, guy from the sixties? Thanks. Some Steve. of our listeners don't. Can I know. get my check, please? I'd like to get out of here. <laughs> what some of our listeners don't know about Mr. Bob is that Mr. Bob has a little bit of a history in the music industry. Yes, mm-hmm. I'm Rob Gordon from High Fidelity. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. And uh, lived that life, the little record store. We sat around and dissected other people's tastes and made fun of them. They weren't there. <laughs> also, in uh, Bob's, Bob's museum that uh, he lives in, that he calls home, <laughs> he's got a couple of framed pictures of him on the wall with, you know, various uh, recording artists and stuff like that. And uh, it was just, it, it wasn't the crazy old man. It was the vibe. And it was the story of, of basically Kate playing, still playing detective while she's away. And getting wrapped up in this kind of uh, feud between two brothers and a recorded material that was never released that apparently was just, it was so good, but both brothers that were involved, both the musician and the recording, um, I guess, uh, producer, they just couldn't see eye to eye and, you know, careers went to went to crap and whatnot. But um, it's Kate being Kate and solving, you know, the case in just the way that she does and it was a really, really cool story. It reminded me of um, like I, a lot of music from like the Beatles and just all of that stuff and all the weird stories you hear about people popping up out of nowhere after a song has become popular and somebody comes out of the woodwork and was like, hey, that was mine, blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah. And uh, I just thought it was cool to to play in that area with her character for, for an issue. Right. And uh I don't know. It was fun. She's. It's a really great issue for her, and it's lovely to see yeah. throwbacks to the other issues. At the end of this, there's a little mm-hmm. cliffhanger. You're out in L.A. You might as well play with this. These are the Beach Boys. Yeah. These are these yeah. are Brian Wilson and it's Smile, and they're going through all this. There are references to the Tate LaBianca murders, which are involved with them because mm-hmm. Manson was involved with the Beach Boys. Mm-hmm. This is really deep into. You know, the L.A. music sound of that period yeah. captures it all so well. I mean, just, that, just a heck of a lot of fun. That's the thing. I mean, it, it it had a lot of, like, it has the new attitude, but dealing with, you know, mm-hmm. the 60s and 70s vibe, everything from the way the way that the, the recording studio looks like. You're dealing with, you know, people who are older in the industry, so it automatically has that, that resonance to it. 
And uh, just really cool. She, Kate fits in perfectly into that vibe. Like, I buy her being involved mm. in that kind of stuff. Mm. So, yeah, that was uh, Hawkeye number 16. And you all know that that's written by Matt Fraction. Yeah. <laughs> with uh, Annie art Wu. by Annie Wu. The, and uh, Matt Hollingsworth which was, which is the colors. colors. Yeah. The only the was neat. Go ahead. Yeah, so the only... No. Sorry, Stephanie, you want to go? Oh, no, no, no. Sorry, Bob was, I think, saying nope. go on. But I, I had a thing about Dead Body Road. Oh, okay, just one second. I'm going to say one more thing about Hawkeye. The only, yeah. the only thing that... Uh, the only thing I feel like is weaker about the Kate issues than the Clint issues is I don't feel like they've yet... They've, he's yet to create the same sort of supporting interesting supporting cast that Clint has in, um, in, in his side of the story mm-hmm. for Kate. I think the, 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 the two guys that she's kind of like living yeah. with slash business partners with whatever, you know, save their orchids. Yeah. Save their orchids. <laughs> I think they have potential there. They mm-hmm. haven't really gotten much. I think this, this character was really, was really cool, but I don't feel like he's going to be a constant character in the, in the story. Um, so I, I, I feel like, while we have kind of this prevailing villain who, who makes her appearance, you know, kind of very mm-hmm. late in the book, there there isn't yet there isn't yet like you know the tracksuit guy thing there isn't the grills kind of thing mm-hmm. there isn't she doesn't have that other person and to be fair you know a lot of that's because he split the two best characters in the book you know between alternating storylines which you know clint is not gonna have kate anymore either so it's kind of right. a loss for his book side of the book as well but uh, that's the only thing i miss from her side i feel like she doesn't have the well-defined supporting cast yet mm-hmm. that clinton has needs pizza cat yeah well she has pizza, <laughs> oh, she dog, has with pizza her. dog she with has her. lucky there but no yeah. we've only had really two kate issues absolutely, yeah. so yeah absolutely I, I mean you got you got this dude you got you know mr mysterious yeah yeah in here he yeah. could be a he could become a player yeah. he could and i think there's a lot of potential there it's just it's just it's funny because it, it he's they've done this thing now where it almost feels like you know it's two separate ongoing series just with the same name. Right. Um, and I, this is kind of like her first couple of issues, whereas the other side, we, we've had a year of, of work mm-hmm. to deal with already. So, mm-hmm. you know, there's that, that odd split. But I am uh, I, I still really liked it a lot. Yeah, I'm enjoying the uh, the alternating between each character. I was a little worried when she, you know, went off mm-hmm. on her own, and I kind of feel like, like the way they left things, it was uncomfortable. Yeah. And it le- I'm still feeling a little uncomfortable. <laughs> like when they finally meet face to face and they just stare at each other and there's that, that one panel mm. that I know is going to be there of them just looking across the room at one another and being like, you know, sharing mental telepathy conversations like, hmm. Mm. <laughs> but good stuff. And Stephanie, you had a, a breaking news about uh, Dead Body Road? <laughs> I was just going to say that it is a six issue mini. Okay. <laughs> so. That's all. I thought you guys had. It seemed like it had come to a natural. No, it's all right. Close conclusion. So like and this, but then it carried on. I was like, ah, you might be interrupted. <laughs> Information so. is always good. I am. Quiet, Unless it's bad. Though. You should use one of those old teletypey sounds. Breaking news. Rewind. Rewind. What, Steve? What's next? My book of the week. All right, do it. My book of the week is. You ready? Mm-hmm. All right. My book of the week is Batman number twenty-seven. Nothing. How do we? Oh my god! There you go. Hey, we never talk about Batman. Yeah. I loved. I was coming home from Maine last night, and I was on the ferry with my headphones reading this. And I had the, my mom actually came over to me, and she's like, "What are you reading?" And I was like, I'm "Reading <laughs> Batman." She's like, "You've got this like really weird smile on your face." <laughs> Like you haven't smiled this entire trip. Mm-hmm. She's like, and now you're reading this book, and you like, you look like you're gonna, I don't know, like you're gonna jump off the boat. I'm like, <laughs> no, no, it's all good. Um, I, holy crap, Greg Capullo 
is really, really, really at the top of, from what I've seen of his game on this series in this issue, the colors that he uses. Well, he doesn't use them. Come on. Give uh, the colors some props. I'm getting to that. All right. Hold on. <laughs> hold on. All right, look, all right. When I say he, I meant collectively yeah, yeah, as yeah, a the team. Yeah, the art in the book, yes. Oh, it's, it's Danny, uh, Danny Miki, right? It's either Danny, no, I think it's FCO plus. Oh, Placienta? Yeah, I think that um, Danny Miki is the letterer Jesus. or the inker. Really? Yeah. Wow. Anchor. Okay, wow. There's more people working on this book than I thought. <laughs> anyway, it was amazing. It was amazing. It was absolutely amazing. I just... Uh, there's one panel that will go down in history as being one of my favorite Batman panels of <laughs> all time. Yeah. If it was Capullo or it was Scott's art direction that asked him to make half of a bat cowl look like a shark fin in the water... <laughs> I whoever it was, I'll kiss them <laughs> much, a lot. Uh, but other than that, be, beyond all the art stuff, which was incredible throughout, I really, really, I'm, you know, I was really skeptical about going back and doing the origin thing again, and but the stuff between Bruce slash Batman and Jim Gordon has been really, really, really cool and really mm-hmm. rewarding. Yeah. Uh, particularly in this issue, you get to see Jim Gordon. Uh, he, he basically picks Batman out of the water and decides that he tells him a story and gives him a little bit of insight as to how he walked in. He basically tells the story of what happened prior to him walking into his life and finding him in Crime Alley with his parents. Like, where was he coming from that night? And Bruce slash Batman realizes that Jim Gordon already has a connection to Bruce Wayne. And I think he, within this issue, this is where that bond is solidified Mm -hmm. on Bruce's end. Yeah. You know, and uh, I like the, I like the idea that we're getting, we're getting the respect already that Jim Gordon's kind of turning around on the idea of the Batman. And even when he pulls, when he's onto the boat, he's like, look, you got to take that stuff off. You're going to lose, you know, an eye, you're going to lose something. And he gives him his glasses. Mm -hmm. He's like, I can't see damn near anything without these yeah look at the prescription mm-hmm. and i loved that moment where he handed him the glasses because yeah. it was like turning your back and giving him his privacy letting him take care of himself and it was really really good character building stuff mm-hmm. and the stuff with uh dr death continues to be awesome and i just i'm really so happy with the way this has turned out that i was you know not that i ever had any doubt that Snyder and Capullo could pull it off and that it would eventually I would come around it would be really great but this is some really good stuff uh this has easily been one of my favorite issues of their run so far mm-hmm. really 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 amazing yeah it, it, it's it's kind of one of those you know Batman at his lowest point kind of issues right where he's yeah. he's not ahead of the game in this issue he's behind the eight ball here he's mm-hmm. been he's got somebody the 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 villain in the story has gotten the leg up uh, on him yeah. and what's going on and that's always really fun to watch mm-hmm. because it's not the usual state that batman's in um yeah the jim gordon stuff w- 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 was awesome um alfred stuff was good too yeah the alfred stuff was really great and i because it, it's he's really working on you know territory not mind yet right i mean right. we we the, the all the i feel like all the batman origin stories we've dealt with with him and gordon have always been um gordon has to come to trust 
Batman, right? And and this that happens here, but Bat- but Gordon is much quicker to trust Batman than yeah. Wayne is to trust Gordon. And that's the most important part about this issue is you get that re- reciprocity there. You see mm. Batman start to trust him mm. and you you have that um that that scene between Alfred and Bruce, which is basically Alfred being like you're going to die because not because not because he's not telling him to stop being Batman, yeah. but he's saying you have to actually let people help you. He's yeah. like, you say you let me help you, but you don't actually let me help you. And, it, you know, we, we have never seen that before. We've never seen that relationship develop in that way before. Yeah, it's always just been there. It's right? always just been yep. there. You know, it's always just been the way it was. And I feel like they've really developed it very nicely there. Um, and talk about art, a great art. I mean, there's that one kind of Dark Knight, Re- Dark Knight Returns thing with the lightning and him on the, on yeah, the, when he's on the, uh, uh, the, the power lines. lines. Yeah, yeah oh. which is amazing. And I love that shot of like it's like uh, Barbara in her room, mm-hmm. and uh, and all of a sudden she turns and looks, and he's he's sitting there on the power line, just like looking in the window, and he has a move version, you know, and they're like staring. Well, I, lo- I mean, yeah. I mean the that was amazing, but I yeah. love I love what prompted him being there. Like yeah. it's not just a cool shot. There's a yeah. very very there's a very poignant reason as to why he's there, and like I said, it's. It's the start of them. Like he's pull, he's pulling together his base. He's pulling together his team. He's you know maybe breaking down walls with Alfred, or Alfred's mm-hmm. breaking down walls with him. He's realizing that he has to bring other people in. Who can he trust? That he's considering Gordon as you know an ally mm-hmm. in the future. And I just it's origin stuff, but it's really really well done. And yeah. I am just I'm so happy with it. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. All right, that's your book of the week. Yeah, that's it. All right, Bob. What you got for us? Okie dokie. What I'm going to start with is from last week's show, <laughs> we had a listener, Michael Kosinski, who was very happy that I talked about Gemma Bovary from <laughs> 15 years ago because he loved the original novel. Mm. But he put a comment on Facebook, which I was lucky enough to see but can't <laughs> respond to. So I just want to say thank you for your lovely comment about my crazy pick from out of left field last week, and uh, he loves jazz and that sort of stuff, so I'm a big Coltrane fan, too, so we've got that. So, yeah. anyway. Come join the forums. And right, you'll see. Yeah. There's a whole bunch of music stuff yeah. going on over there this week. Two actual comic books from this week. Mm-hmm. I can't say too much about Pretty Deadly number four. I haven't said about the first three. Mm-hmm. We were mentioned in it. <laughs> yes. Yeah, we were. There was that, yeah, yeah, yeah. which I wasn't going to say anything about, yeah. but thank you no, very much. I'm saying thank you to Logan, as I want to say thank you, because yes. he's a freaking awesome dude. Yes, he is. It's very, yes. very nice Yeah, things. Logan Rowland wrote a lovely letter to Kelly Sue about her book yeah. and our part in having him read Captain yeah. Marvel, which then nice translated to this. So it was very, very nice. Yeah. Book is, if you've been playing catch-up or trying to sort out what's going on, I know some people are going to read this once it's complete. I think five is the last issue before the, the break. The break. Yeah, yeah. The story is starting to come together. The mm-hmm. bits and pieces of what happened here and what might happen are there now. Yeah. So some people's guesses are going to be right, and some just got blown out of the water. Stunningly original book. The art by Emma Rios and Jordi Belair, just incredible again. Mm-hmm. I, just, I, want, I want the picture book. They've announced the trade mm-hmm. for April. It's one of the, the image $10 trays. Mm-hmm. I want the $40 hardcover with yeah. the extras that I can <laughs> fold it out. I want one of those IDW artist editions that, that are the size of the art, yeah. the, you know, one and a half up or two up. Mm-hmm. These, it's, it's, every page is just a masterpiece. So if you haven't been reading this, get ready. You've got one more issue, and then you can buy a $10 trade and catch up in one big lump. Yeah. You guys read the book yet? Or I read three and four because I, 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 I did not read three, and then I, I, I bought four this week, and I was like, 
I was like, shit, I forgot to read three. So I sat down and read them both. And I was like, fuck, now I got to go back and read the other, the other <laughs> two. And not because I didn't understand what was going on, because I finally understood what was going there on. There you go. Because three really starts, to, really starts to put everything into place, mm-hmm. where you start to realize what all of this stuff means, you know, and, um, you know, wh- where, how this kind of, the, the, the lyrical aspect of the story fits in, how the, the more spaghetti western aspect of the story fits in, and this big narrative that they're telling that seems so obtuse in the first, I think, two issues starts to come into sharp relief in issues three and four. And now knowing what I know, I want to go back and can read them with, yes. with the eye for, for what I know. But mm. yeah, the, the last page of issue three is, I was glad that I, I didn't read it when it came out because the last page Could of issue three the, the is month, a, such yes. a huge cliffhanger and so crazy when you realize what's, what's going on that to pick up issue four and read it, um, which is... Which is a great issue, understated compared to all the craziness that happens in issue yes. three. But um, those two issues really put together the pieces of, of that story. Where when I think I said after the first or two issues, I didn't feel like it was a story yet. I felt like it was a, like a poem. You know, it was it was giving me themes mm. and, and, mm. and imagery, but it wasn't giving me a a, a th- something to click with as far as narrative goes. And now it has both. Now it's lyrical and beautiful, but it also has a, a plot that I can follow and am engaged with. So it's, I, I'm I'm very excited to see what this last issue brings. Every everybody, have you read it yet? No, but no. when he was when he mentioned follow, all of a sudden I got Sister Act song stuck in my head. <laughs> what? I will follow him. Yeah, I, guess. <laughs> I don't know. I'm ahead, hungry. Keep going. Uh, no, I haven't. I haven't read them. Mm-hmm. I I read the first one. I loved it. I read the second one. Kind of had no idea what was going on, and then never got to three and haven't read four. Mm. I'm going to probably end up reading them all at once. You should. That's yeah. You should. At this point, that's probably what I'm going to do. But I think just as we were talking about, Bobby, reading them individually, and then you can keep spiraling backwards into Mm. it and Mm. see what you missed the first time. Pick up those threads as they now emerge, but you know where they're headed, and Mm. I see what this person was doing. I have no doubt that I'm going to enjoy the living hell out of it once Mm. I do sit down with it, but it's just it's at that point where I might as well just yeah, wait. Might and have as well it all, wait. You know, but yeah. I know you love the movie Santa Sangre. Yes, I do. Right. Well, it, this is the Jodorowsky of comic books Jesus. in that it's a little bit of this and then a little bit of that. And what does that mean? Mm-hmm. Oh, wait, that's what it means. It happens over here somewhere. You're, yeah. you're going to. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Breaking out the Santa Sangre. Stephanie, have you been me. reading it? I haven't. Okay. I read the first issue and then I started stockpiling the rest mm-hmm. of them. So I need to catch up. You were wise. It's going to be good. It's going to be a good trade, especially with people who pick yeah. up and trade. It's going to be a, a good read for those people. Um, Bob, what else you got for us? Next up, Mighty Avengers number five, oh, Al goodness. Ewing and Greg Land. And just as you can see from the cover, Otto, who's the superior still in, mm. in this one, has been trying to take over this new Mighty Avengers deal from mm. Luke and shows up with his henchmen and mm-hmm. spider robots and whatever. <laughs> And, you know, he's just Otto being Otto, and Luke is just damn sick of it. Mm-hmm. It doesn't go so well for uh, a lovely negotiation, even though uh, Luke calls in his lawyer after <laughs> sending the baby home with D.W. Griffith, who runs the theater, and it's like, well, we need to talk about mm-hmm. this. Huge brawl, giant robots, and all that sort of stuff. There's still the inhumanity tie-in, which this is. You get mm-hmm. a couple of interesting pages of... Uh, quick fire and ruined Adelon and all the mess that's going on down there. But what this is really about is the characterizations. I know people are very, uh, I'll, I'll be kind and say iffy about Mr. Land's art. Yes. I really think that 
five issues in now, it, the art's better than it was. It is not as posy. It is not as stiff. It seems really appropriate in every case. I love seeing characters smile. It is just fun. You don't see it much anymore. Luke Cage here, this is the Luke Cage that Archie Griffin and Steve Englehart wrote. It's the one that Jeff Parker was doing over in Thunderbolts. He's resolute and strong, and it's about his family. He's got a chip on his shoulder, but he wants to do the right thing. He's got a great sense of humor about it. This is fun. I was spotty on this because it was just way too much tie-in stuff, and we've gone from one tie-in to another with this book. Mm -hmm. The street-level characters here are played out in such a way that you want to... I don't care if they do anything superhero-y. I just want to see him sit around and have coffee. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's just great, great characters. Al Ewing, whose work I didn't really know at all before this, mm -hmm. I want to read more. This is really good stuff. Cool, yeah. It's good to hear. I mean, I, you know, obviously, I, I have trouble getting over the art, but it's good to hear because he's doing that Loki book, the Agent of Asgard book. So, ah. um, And I really liked those bits in um, in the Marvel All, no All New Marvel Now Point One with Loki and what he was doing. So it's cool to hear that, uh, that the writing is strong because yeah. I'm excited about that book. Yeah. Why this needs to be Mighty Avengers, uh, yeah. who knows? But, you know, sell, Luke, some, sell some books. Right. And Luke wants to accept that mantle, mm. and, which is really kind of neat. So I'm thrilled that this is this will be my new Avengers book since uh, Assemble is going yeah, away. it's going away. It's going away. Well, we didn't talk about that, I guess. Yeah, it's going away. Its mandate is yeah. done. Yeah. It, they did what they wanted to do. They tied the movie to the books, mm -hmm. uh, the tone of it, and it's... Yeah. Uh, now it's gone. It's a shame. Freeze her up to do something else, though. So <laughs> Yes. We'll have to figure out something. Else. Well, there'll be Guardians books or yeah, something yeah. else to, to do. Yeah. Um, really quickly, because I know I did talk about... Fantastic Four 16, FF 16, which is the end of that, oh, that. issue. Well, that's, that's the, the glory of this. Beyond, you have the, in FF here, it's the end of the whole year-long arc of mm -hmm. Scott Lang watching the kids and the faux FF with Darla and, mm -hmm. and Medusa and She-Hulk and ending Doom and Alex Power and all that stuff. It's a lot about Cassie. Just a whole lot of great Scott Lang mm -hmm. stuff here. <sighs> There's all sorts of speculation that something happens in this issue that might lead to her return. Okay. How true that is, or is it just bad people saying bad things mm -hmm. for the sake of, you know, Bentley being Bentley? What there is, though, I mean, it, it's Matt Fraction. It is, in this one, in FF particularly, it's Lee Allred and mm -hmm. Michael and Laura Allred. And then the backup story, which is Joe Canonis and the Allreds and Carl Kessel. It's the aftermath. It's putting the pieces together, and it's two separate stories that intertwine. Huh. And some pages are the same, and some are not. So my suggestion is to read them. I, Bobby can see what I'm doing yeah. here, and so can Steve. You lay one on top of the other, and <laughs> as you go through the pages, you have the story changes. Mm -hmm. you, you can go from here, to, from the top to the bottom, and pick the other half of this scene up hmm. that you're seeing, and it's just you can read this four different times, it's a barbecue on the moon. Who knew that the Silver Surfer loved hot dogs, for instance? <laughs> you must try these heated dogs. Dogs, right. <laughs> you get lovely moments with all the main four characters and the FF and Uatu, who gets ragged on. <laughs> Uatu, join us. Ha, ha, ha. It's, it's, it's hideous. It's a hideously bad joke. But page after page of charm and fun and the family that these two books have been since Hickman started FF, and to go back to Stan and Jack and John Byrne and Roy Thomas and everybody else who did this book, this is a beautiful, beautiful send-off 
mm. to these series, which were so good for their year and a half or so. And it's a shame to see Matt Fraction leave these, but maybe someday. There's always mm-hmm. some other day down the road. <laughs> They'll reboot it again and start the numbering up and yeah. again. Actual book of the week is a number one, which All says right. so in giant letters it's right a, on the cover so you number one. can't miss it. It is the All New Invaders by James Robinson and Steve Pugh with colors by Guru FX. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Whoever they, he, it, her, <laughs> us, I don't know. We have a story that is in both time periods. We get some 1940s. The Invaders, I did a whole article on this some while ago in a brief history lesson when we first talked about this. It's Marvel's World War II heroes. So it was Captain America, the Submariner, and the original android Human Torch. Mm-hmm. It was Cap's partner, Bucky, who now we now know as the Winter Soldier. And it was actually the Torch's partner, Toro, mm-hmm. who was a boy who was in a circus and the torch flew over. And when he flew over him, the little kid caught on fire. Okay. And they discovered he was a, an actual human torch okay. who could do all the things a torch could do. Because <laughs> you had to have a sidekick back yeah, then. Yeah. Everybody had a Sandy and all right. the rest. Everybody had a, anyway. What this is, though, it's a story that is in both the past and our present, and we're introduced to the Cree pursuer Tanalf, which is very hard to say when you haven't had nearly enough soda or any any, uh, alcoholic libations. Mm -hmm. They've sent people here because there's a device called God's Whisper that was here during the Second World War when the Norse goddess Hell was brought to Earth by Hitler. Mm -hmm. He did stuff like that. In the original Avengers, he called Thor to Earth to fight the invaders. Mm. <laughs> Thor didn't remember this years later, but they, they, they had a, you know, Namor and Thor had a nice big dust-up. It was a really fun issue. Go ahead. I missed an entire two pages when I read this earlier today. <laughs> I, must have, I must have just turned the page without realizing, because the, the first panel on this page is like, the memory's over, and I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> We're moving on. There's I, the memory. I missed all of this. This looks like, like, like some really significant stuff right it, here. It is. Yes, it is. It's very significant. Damn it. Yeah, um, still loved it. <laughs> the uh, the Cree have broken all those treaties back from the Infinity just a couple mm-hmm. of months ago because they want this thing that, as we see in the memories that Steve has just found, <laughs> that <laughs> the Torch and Namer to stop it from falling into bad hands have broken it into bits. Right. They've got two of the pieces recovered. They she wants the third one. Mm-hmm. They want to do some bad stuff. We come to see. The Human Torch and his human, real human guys is Jim Hammond working in a gas station somewhere in Illinois because mm. he's good with machines, mm-hmm. as of course he would be <laughs> yeah. good with machines. He's living a lovely, quiet life, and everything's all hunky-dory until Tanoth and her goons show up and just make a mess of things. She starts playing with his head. That's when the flashbacks begin, which are slightly altered. Mm-hmm. They're not quite what they should be. He's having trouble sorting out what's going on. It's a great setup to where this story is going to go. I think it's a fine introduction to the character of Jim Hammond, those who haven't seen what he's been through through these years. It helps to have a little back history as to who this character was, who these people were during the war, but you're getting it parceled out to you in little bits and pieces by James Robinson here. I really think as we move on, as we start to see Cap and what Bucky has done in between, you're going to get to see all those. Art's done by Steve Pugh in a real classic yeah, sort it's of very style. classic, yeah. Just, I thought this was a heck of a setup, beginning this. The characterization of Jim Hammond as this fellow who, in one of the AI issues, apparently he sold out all the robots on Earth, mm-hmm, which I didn't yeah. read. But I didn't feel like I needed to read that. Yeah. I, I, I got enough of it to understand his world weariness of mm-hmm. all this. He's 
one of the few survivors from here. He was, oh boy, I'll go deep on this. He was brought back into the Marvel Universe in Fantastic Four Annual Number 4 in 1966 <laughs> because he, when Stan brought him back in the 50s, he was originally brought back because they'd been buried by some gangsters in the Nevada test site and a bomb went off and reactivated him. Mm. He eventually ended up back out there and the Mad Thinker found him. And since he loves androids and mm. all that sort of stuff, he brought him back to life and then we went from there. So he's seen a lot over all this time, a lot seen superheroes that were good and bad, fought against clones of himself and other versions of the invaders and whatever. He is sort of tired of mm. all this and just trying to live a quiet life and he's drawn back in. How that plays against Cap and Bucky and the Submariner particularly is going to be very interesting I think, moving forward. I think this was a heck of an introduction for people who've never read these characters before. Mm. It's vital and new and respectful of the past at the same time i was thrilled with this yeah i really liked it you know i i didn't expect the kind of uh well after i read the marvel now point one i did expect it but i didn't uh, i didn't when the series announced i didn't expect the kind of uh galactic implications Mm. or however you were going to deal with these characters um but i thought that added a nice wrinkle to it i thought it was very smart by robinson to focus on ham and the human torch the, the least known of these characters you know, to to the kind of the the, the comic buying audience first, because you get to know him before you start layering in the characters you do know a, mm-hmm. a lot better. Uh, I think the last page is not the, the second to last page, I guess, because the last page is kind of hidden behind that that ad. Yeah. Um, the 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 reveal of of Cap and Bucky, I think, it, it is really really great yeah. and a very great like classic heroic moment. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah, I, I thought it w- it was it was really entertaining, and I'm really excited to see where it goes. You know, from here, it's the, again, like the only thing James Robbins I've ever read is, is that Earth 2 stuff. So yeah. I, I, I was not, I was unsure about what I, what I was going to like uh, and not like about the book, but I, I thought it was great. I had a lot of fun with it. And I would recommend if people want to know about some of these characters, especially the Human Torch, and you, if you read Marvels, I think you'll get a lot sure. uh, of, of stuff uh, and a lot of background on who they are and what they do. Um, but yeah, I thought it was really good. Yeah, my Invaders piece is still mm-hmm. up somewhere on our site. It's definitely there. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's, <laughs> it's in there somewhere. Steve, you read it? You love it? Yes, I did. No, I really liked it. Uh, I was very curious as to I didn't know anything about that Human Torch, so to open it and find out that it was very Human Torch centric, just it scratched my itch. It was yeah, really, nice. it was really cool. No, I I liked the delivery of it. I thought the writing was really good. Uh, the art felt very classic in a way, and I I liked the. I, I just, I don't know. I like the perspective. I like the guy just trying to lay low and be a civilian and, and just have a regular life and, you know, something coming along and basically screwing it all up for yeah. him. And he, it was a good way to throw him back into the fray. Mm. And uh, I'll definitely be picking up uh, another issue. I really enjoyed it. Ah. Yeah. Absolutely. Stephanie, did you partake? No, I actually did get it, but then I forgot that I got it and didn't read it. Okay. It's a good story. Whoopsies. The end. <laughs> the end of that story. <laughs> the dog that ate my that. homework. Yeah. Um, and that's all for you, Bob? That's it for me. All right. So uh, really quick, uh, Justice League 27, uh, another f- part of the Forever Evil story. Um, I have to say, I think that this event has brought out the best in both this and Justice League of America. I think uh, this is the best the series has been, and it's it has the the best focus it's had since since, since it started. This issue, very interestingly, deals with kind of closing off character stuff that happened in issue one 
of Justice League number one. Wow. Uh, Cyborg is created in that first issue, and this deals with a Cyborg who has been devastated by what happened with the the crime syndicate and his relationship with his father, which has been strained and, and to downright bad for the entire series. There's a giant resolution here between those two characters. Um, and it, it's great because he was very much the heart of that initial arc, and here uh, he continues to be that, and, and, and it's it's really, really effective. Um we also finally start to get in Justice League of America. We're kind of getting Martian Manhunter and Star Girl kind of making their way to try to uh, turn the tide in 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 this crime syndicate war. And here, we we finally have uh, some real movement with Cyborg now refitted and ready to go. Um, and we're getting the introduction of some other characters. I mean, the book starts with some Doom Patrol. Um, who, Who's in the Doom Patrol? Well, it's very point. little stuff, and, and okay. like um, the characters seemed like they are now dead, but I don't think that's the case at, at <laughs> all. Um, but we get uh, we get an introduction of, of a couple of those characters. You know, they're fighting. Um, uh, you know, uh, Johnny Quick and, and Atomica, and then at the end, uh, we are get we get a reintroduction of possibly the Metal Men coming into the into the universe. So there's some really cool stuff happening here. Um, I, I, for in for my money uh, since we started doing this this has been the the, the best event I, I i've read so far reading it you know the, when, when it's being released the tie-ins are all are all great um the the spin-off ish, spin-off series like rogues rebellion and arkham war have both been really really good and the the main series has been really good as well i think DC is really doing it right, you know, with the way that they're doing this event. It's, it's been completely satisfying to me with everything they've been doing. Um, yeah, I'm really looking forward to catching up. I've been enjoying Forever Evil, yeah, like a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I have, like I said, I have them all in a pile. I just don't know what order to read them in. Uh, you can read JLA and just like kind of separately. It doesn't matter. They don't really intersect. Their stories don't really intersect. Okay. Um, <clears throat> I think you would. I mean, I don't even know if they really intersect so i think they do intersect with forever evil a little bit so you probably have to see when they came out mm-hmm. um but other than that i mean those two stories don't really intersect yeah i mean i've been i get you know i get all the justice leagues i got dark and mm-hmm. america and regular but yeah. i got the first issue of arkham of the asylum book mm-hmm. and i i liked it but mm-hmm. it just i didn't know if at that point i didn't know if forever evil was something that i was going to go off into all these side things mm-hmm. Just like how much of it do I really need to collect? Yeah, you know how big is it going to get? Mm. So I, 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 you know, went mm. back from it. But uh, no, I've, I'm really excited to catch up on it. Yeah, and listen, if you're liking Forever Evil, you should be reading Rogue's Rebellion because okay. it is awesome. I mean, it, it's fantastic. Uh, so Justice League 27, really, really great. Um, Empire of the Dead number one uh, by George A. Romero mm. with art by Alex Malieve. Uh You know. I, I was excited about this. Didn't know what to expect because it's a comic book written by George Romero, yeah. so it's it's not really territory in which I'm familiar. Uh, obviously, I love the Dead movies, and I, I think that he always has very interesting interesting things to say. And I was intrigued to see how it would translate to a comic. And I guess I, I, I loved it. I really loved it. I, it feels to me like a sequel. It feels to me like a, 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 a one. It keeps the tone uh, of those movies. I, I love the connections that it's making to night of the living dead i think those are very yeah. intriguing you know i love I, the little flashback yeah the flashback was yeah. great the story he's telling about you know it's the the, the about, farmhouse about the farmhouse yeah. is is awesome it, it, it i did not expect to just get those connections to this um i think that the, the characters that they're they're drawing you know the the, the female and the male lead uh both seem like they're people that i'm going to want to follow th- through mm-hmm. this story and 
without really ever expecting this and not even thinking about it, and if you had said this to me before I had read it, I would have said that sounds really silly and stupid. But the I fact know where you're going, yeah. that you get inner dialogue for the zombie yeah. is awesome. Like it's like because it because I mean they're dealing with a different kind of level of zombie here. But even though even without that, it's really cool to get what is this thing thinking? Even if it's very simple, you know, grunting. But he paints it with like there's an inner pain to what you know what 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 they're what they're doing. Uh, it's it's really really cool to to see the way he paints that and. The introduction, obviously, they talked about this before the book came out, but he's introducing vampires in, into this world as well, and the way that he does it, I think, really, really works. And Bob, I, don't, yeah. I know you're a huge Romero fan. Yeah. What do you think of this? I was very much looking forward to it when it was not a physical thing I could hold in my hand. <laughs> then it was sort of, oh, I, I love Romero so much that I'm, I'm, I'm afraid this is going to be more survival of the dead than right, dawn yeah. of the dead. Mm-hmm. And I was blown away by this. Yeah. The, the, the art helps. Alex Maleev is oh, really, really spectacular here. Yeah. It's really scary and creepy and sad yeah. in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. There's a secondary female lead. Mm-hmm. And in her thought balloons, we're, you know, as we're discussing, you'll, you'll see all sorts of her inner problems. Mm-hmm. It is the complete moving forward of the storyline as he began with Day Of, where the zombies there, can you train them? Can you make yeah. them a little more manageable mm-hmm. as you know, Dr. Frankenstein, as they call him yeah. in the movie? And that has come to fruition. You saw some of it in the Land of the Dead where they were having zombie games. Mm-hmm. And now it's here in a New York where there's a stadium now in Central Park for what amounts to the Roman Coliseum, and they make that yeah. assertion here. Oh, yeah, they fed them to the Christians, the lions. Mm-hmm. Again, lots of Romero's politics are here, as always, but not in a heavy-handed... Nope. It's just there as part of the backstory, as you see society having crumbled, but finding a new way. Yeah. And in the same way it always is, he who has the gold rules. Yeah. And that's what it is. It's New York that's... Not our New York, but not that far from the way things do work. No. We've just added some zombies. And the vampire thing, which I hadn't read any of that beforehand... Mm -hmm. Came as a surprise to me, and it was a really good surprise. If I had read it before, I'd have thought that was junk too. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> yeah. Again, do I want zombies that think? Yeah. He <laughs> was going down that road. Mm-hmm. The big man in Land of who yeah. runs the gas station. Yeah. They're using tools. They're mm. doing stuff. So now you see. Well, yeah, they're thinking, and the way those word balloons are done, thought balloons rather, it's sort of static. Grumble, 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 grumble. Home. Yeah. Grumble, grumble, grumble. Oh, yeah. what what's she thinking about? Mm-hmm. Or pain? Yeah. Where this, I won't say who she is exactly. Steps on the third rail in the subway, and yeah. it's sort of, ouch. Yeah. It's kind of a little just aside and moves mm-hmm. on. The, really, really well done. I'm stunned that it ended up being more than I even thought it was going to be when I was loving it. The idea of it, the yeah. actual book itself, is just really, really good. Steve, did you? I did not. Yeah. I did not. <laughs> did you get one? I did not. Yeah. Well, you can and I home. stopped buying The Walking Dead as well. Oh. <laughs> oh, you might really? like this instead. Yeah. You bring that home with you. I, um, yeah, well, this, that was the <laughs> idea, was to borrow it from a friend yeah. and, and read it. Um, yeah, I, it's, it's a shame. I, just, I, don't have the, I don't have the Romero fever that mm-hmm. Bob does, mm-hmm. and I've just, I'm, I'm so spent on the whole zombie thing mm-hmm. that I, I not, not to say I didn't, I didn't care. Hearing you guys talking about it, 
makes me want to read it. And I've, I've read a couple of reviews online. Everybody was like, oh, you really shouldn't. Even Rob like asked me about three times <laughs> if I wanted to take it on with me. And I, and I said no. Um, no, I mean, you know, I, the art definitely, definitely looks incredible. Uh, I just didn't, after the last two Romero films, I was done with his, I don't, I don't really enjoy the political aspects of his stuff uh, in every facet. Like I, I like the older stuff better, but survival and land and what was the other diary? diary. Yeah. I, there was something about the delivery of them that I just didn't like. And I was like, Oh, well, if this is a continuation of that, why am I going to bother? Um, but since I stopped buying one, maybe I'll trade off for the other. I don't know. I'll check yeah. it out. If you're if you're willing to let me borrow it, yeah, I absolutely. will read it. And I'll probably come back next week and be like, yeah. <laughs> it uh, it can't overstate how gorgeous the art is. It, it's just yeah. amazing yeah. looking art, and it, it sells it completely because it, it it feels like it belongs in a Romero story. It almost feels like a visual style of a Romero movie. That's a great point. You absolutely, know? yeah. And, and that's wonderful. Uh, colors by Matt Hollinsworth. We're going to do a circle on, on the three colors that we're going to talk about today. Um. And yeah, I just I was blown away. Like you said, like it 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 has to me it it, it has a kind of the 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 look of Land of the Dead to me. It has that aesthetic to me, mm-hmm. uh, which is almost like that kind of uh, Escape from New York type of aesthetic right. to it. The city's falling down around itself a little. Yeah, exactly. But it has the the tone and I think the power, at least in this first issue, of Dawn of the Dead. That's that's what it feels like to me. Uh, yeah, I'm really excited to see what, what comes what comes after. Yeah. I, I I was so ha- I finished reading it and, and Karen was sitting next to me and I went, huh? And she goes, what? I goes, I went. That was really excellent <laughs> when I closed it. <laughs> so I was really happy about that. Yeah, it was it was really really good. A um, uh, couple more things, really quick, really quick. I uh, read uh, Snowpiercer, uh, Volume One, The Escape. Um, people kind of following movie news, and there's a lot of controversy around the movie version of, of Snowpiercer, which is uh, directed by I can't remember say his name right. It's the uh, he directed the host, the the good one, the good one, the uh, the Korean host. It's like Bong. Something I, I can't. I never say. Bong Wong. I, I don't remember. I don't remember. It's like I can't remember his name. So I'll, I'll look it up. But it. But um, I'll look it up for you. Thank you. It, it's a really interesting take I've never seen before on a post-apocalyptic story. So it takes place in Russia, and there's a train called the Snowpiercer. It's a luxury train. It can run on its own. It, the, the, you know, it it has a sustainable an engine that sustains itself. It, you know, it has a. It's meant to. It's meant to be a nonstop train. So it's meant to go on like a twenty-day luxury uh, ride that it never it never has to stop at a train station. Um, there's some sort of cataclysm, and there's like a basically. It seems like a sort of like a nuclear winter, but I'm not sure if it's exactly what it's something that wrecked the climate, and the, the, they are they evacuate people onto the train. And what happens is, of course, all the rich people end up in the front of the train <sighs> in the really nice compartments. And then they added on these compartments when they were just before they left, and they like packed all the poor people who could get on onto well, it. It's the Titanic, it's yeah. the steerage passengers. They can't move. You know, the, it, it's they're all they have diseases. Wow. Horrible. You pick it up in the middle. Like it's been years since th- this happened. So you're in the, right in the middle oh. of what's going on. Hmm. And it starts with a, one pa- one. Uh, they call him Tailfucker. Um, <laughs> uh, somehow makes his way. Even though the doors are sealed into the into the front part of the train, he gets out of the tail, and it's a story about him going from that point to the front of the train um, and meeting the uh, kind of the uh, the the brass and the government of this. And there's a there's a lot of you know um, political underpinnings about you know people wanting to revolt and you know it, it it looks at society and says you know there are these people who really you know they 
they, they say they want equal rights for everybody, but when presented with that, they kind of don't mm. want to do what it takes to get that for everybody. Um, some really horrible choices people have to make. And, you know, there's this guy who comes up to from the tail and the, the, this kind of rights group wants him to be, kind of be a hero. And he has no interest in being a hero. You know, he just doesn't want to go back to the tail. Sure, why would you? Um, but the story of him going through it, it's it's not something I've really read before, and the ending is it's kind of haunting the way they, they do the ending. But there the art is very nice. Um, it I'm gonna see if I can. I don't think the names are actually even hard to pronounce, even though I believe that they are. I believe they are Russian. Um, it, it might actually not be. It might be actually be French because these names are all French. Um, it seems like it's Russian though. It's Jacques Lob and Jean Marc Rochette is is the is the artist. It's translated translated by. Virginie Selavy. So, um, it's in black and white, and I'll say the translation. This, this, I think you encounter this a lot when you when you do certain translations of of stories like this, genre stories like this. There, there are sometimes where I feel like what is translated is more like literally a translation and not like you know using artistic intent because there are some lines that are just so on the nose blatant you know it doesn't feel like that's what the art that what the writer would have written oh you know i mean it's probably what he wrote in in direct russian or direct french yeah. or whatever the i don't I'm sorry i don't know more about where the book comes from but um it's bad but it seems like there wasn't usually when you translate something you put a little bit of a you know a, a bent sure. on it to, to make you get the idea across and it seems like that didn't happen here i could be wrong but that's what it feels like uh but there are because there are moments where it's just beautiful in 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 its subtlety, and then moments where it just feels really, really on the Clunk. nose, clunky. Yeah. But it's a really good read. Um, really made me excited to see the movie if it ever comes here in its in its real version. Um, so really cool, Snowpiercer, uh, Volume One, The Escape. It's from uh, Titan Comics. Put it out. Uh, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, the, the, the director. The director is Jun Ho Bong. Jun Ho Bong. Yes. <laughs> I was right about the bong part. And uh, <laughs> I got a little something for you off air about translations. Okay. All right. Gone awry. <laughs> um, and finally, I want to do my, my, my book of the week. Uh, and I'm o- I'm probably about two-thirds way through it. Uh, uh, but a friend of the show, Joey Esposito, his Kickstarter pawn shop, which he did last mm. year, is finally coming out. Um, and I got a chance to read. I, have a re- I got a chance to check out a review copy of it that he sent me. Nice. Um, about two-thirds of the way through it. And I've read some of his work before, his Captain Ultimate stuff. I've read some of the the Footprints book. This is like a whole nother level uh, book uh, for him. It is utterly fantastic. Nice. Um, it, it's now I heard, saw somebody. It's funny. Before I read it, I saw somebody on Twitter. He retweeted a review that said it was um, it was like the Essex County trilogy for the New York for the New York people whoa and i really i was like screw this no way you know whatever <laughs> you don't talk about jeff lemire like that you know like, <laughs> uh, and and i read it and i think that the and i'm reading it now and i think that the comparison is very apt now wow. I, I haven't got to the end of it yet and i don't know if it's going to emotionally in- incapacitate me the way that essex <laughs> county did that book but uh this pawn shop um it, it's a it's an anthology story it it goes over uh, a bunch of different characters' lives, uh, little stories and vignettes that all intersect at, at certain points. Um, the art is by Sean Von Gorman as well, and the art is, is, is great. Being from New York, especially being from Long Island, the people in this room and anybody listening who was from those areas, you'll get an extra uh, kind of push from it because I mean you're going to see things in this book that it's like you're living your everyday life. Hmm. I mean oh. there's there's a scene where they're driving and they're turning 
um, on exit 45 onto the Sunken Meadow Parkway. <laughs> they're on the LAWR all the time, going getting off at Smithtown. You know, it's there. Huh. It, it, it's, it's Port Jeff, Huntington, the Smithtown really? line. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, wow. I've never heard the I've never heard the name Port Jeff used in any comic book ever. Seriously, <laughs> and it is here. Um, so that that stuff really kind of hits you, and the breadth of storytelling here. Um, the first story is about an old man who his his wife has recently died and he's still kind of in his routine. He's moved away from the city, but he still he can't give up his routine. He's still holding on and he comes across a, a, a piece, uh, something that, that he had thought lost uh, that was belonged to them and he finds it. And I was already getting teary-eyed in, in the first story <laughs> of the book. And then you, you, as you, as you branch out, you get other stories connected to his and uh, so far it has been utterly fantastic. Like I, I expected to like it, um, but I did not expect to love it a- as much nice. a- as I'm loving it. Oh, so, I'm looking forward to that. That's cool. Yeah, and just so you guys know, if you go to his blog, if you if you uh, we'll put the link in the show notes, but uh, he has a store, uh, Joey Esposito. But if you if you Google Joey Esposito, his his blog will come up, and he has a link to his store on there. Uh, you can pre-order the book. I think it's fourteen ninety five for for the trade here back. Uh, it's not out. It's not out yet officially, but it is it, it is fantastic, and I, I think everybody should pick it up. Anybody. From Long Island, New York, who likes emotional storytelling, it's 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 a must must read. So that is Pawn Shop by Joey Esposito, art by Sean Van Gorman. Nice. Um, all right, so that is it for my book of the week. We're going to take a little break. We'll be right back. And we'll do our predictions for 2014. We are back, and we're here to do some predictions for 2014, all of which will assuredly be wrong by the time we come back in 2015 <laughs> to do our next year list. Let's hope not. Um, but uh, so we each did five, and like I said, we also have stuff from uh, the community who, who wrote in it and gave us some of their predictions for the year. Um, Stephanie, why don't we start with you? Give us uh, give us one of your predictions. All right. Um, so my first prediction is that Gail Simone will voluntarily leave a Batgirl and be replaced by someone like Marguerite Bennett. And post her Red Sonia will begin work on a Vampirella series. Oh, wow. That's pretty specific. Mm. That's very specific. It's good. That's a ballsy well, I, prediction. I thought that's, I thought that's what we were supposed that's, to do. No, it's awesome. I just yeah. that was very, like, okay. like, almost like you know something. <laughs> I don't. I really don't. I swear this comes up like no. And if it does, and then anyone's like, I swear this is a complete prediction. I don't know. It's a good one. That's a good mm-hmm. one. Very good. Thank you. Very nice. <laughs> um, <laughs> Steve, give us one of your predictions. Well, I don't have anything like that. It's all right. <laughs> all right. Um, I think that we're going to see a rise in popularity of the uh, LGBT characters in comics, uh, I think across all publishers, not just DC or Marvel. I think there is going to be a a movement, so to speak, for that to be included more in comics. It's already started Mm -hmm. this past year. I think there's been a lot of awareness for it, but I have a feeling that in 2014 that it's going to become a thing that people are going to be paying attention to and perhaps break down a couple of walls and include more of those characters. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a lot of those characters have some really amazing stories to tell 
and it would be really cool to see them included in more stories and not just used as a gimmick and not just sell a book because they have characters that are like that in it, but, you know, good, solid characters and good, solid books that have those demographics included in them. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I just, I just, I have a feeling the ball's already rolling. I think as it rolls down the mountain, it's just going to get, it's going to collect more and more. And we're going to see that by the, by the year's end, there will be at least a couple of characters, standout characters that fit, that you know mm-hmm. those preferences all right very cool mm. yeah. bob i have one that will definitely be right okay yeah. <laughs> i will complain for 12 straight months about how things used to be better that's true that is not a real prediction <laughs> that is just a fact that's, yeah it's a guaranteed fact <laughs> so death taxes and bob <laughs> so i it was going to be my number three but i'll just go with this because i have a gail simone <laughs> prediction myself mm. I also think she'll be leaving DC. I think she'll write a series for Marvel, and I think it'll be Medusa. Interesting. She Ooh. said she really loves that character. I've mm-hmm. seen that a few times. And with the Inhumans having mm-hmm. a new, higher profile, I think we might see it happen. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Mm-hmm. I also have a Gail Simone prediction. She is <laughs> the only one that... Maybe I can make one up while you guys talk. <laughs> so I'll do that one as well. Um, so I don't think she's leaving DC. I, I think she probably will end up leaving Batgirl at some point. But I think um, we, we mentioned Nightwing ending. Uh, we've heard of Wally coming back. Um, we've heard of Stephanie Brown coming back. And we are probably going to see the movement coming to an end, unfortunately, rather soon. So I think a combination of those characters, Gail Simone is going to be writing a new Teen Titans book. That is my mm. prediction for the year. Mm. She's talked about Dick Grayson on her. And, you know, she talks about a lot of stuff on Twitter. But she's talked about Dick Grayson a few times on Twitter, kind of specifically, and I think that there's something going on with her and, and that character. So that's mm. my prediction. I predict that she'll come out with a Tomb Raider book. <laughs> you are correct. correct. Yeah. <laughs> you are correct, sir. She will. Yes. Um, Stephanie, why don't you lay another prediction on us? Um, This one involved another... This is sort of more general, but Scott Snyder, I'm going to say, leaves Batman post-Year Zero to focus on witches, American Vampire, and more creator-owned series. Interesting. I have something to that. Yes. Because that was brought up on um, on our Twitter feed. Haven't they announced that they're in contract, both Snyder and Capullo, for Batman up until 50 and possibly beyond? Uh, I think that they... I don't know if it's their contracted through on Batman specifically to issue 50. I think they've talked about doing till issue 50. Hmm. Um, but they'll, they'll probably be on it. I think for a while, at least they're kind of like with DC they're, they're He has an, ex- like he can't, I mean, he can do his crater on stuff, but he can't do any other, like uh, he can't do any Marvel work. I think so he's exclusive to DC hmm. other than the creator own stuff. Um, we'll see. I could swear I heard that like from like three or four. I don't think so, but I mean, I could be wrong, obviously. All right. Um, all right. Steve. What else do I got here? Oh, God. Somebody's calling me. Um, Okay. Uh, This is more of a just a a thing that I think is going to happen. It's not. All right. Uh, I think that when Captain Marvel comes back in March, that you are going to see a just a, a huge surge in that character's popularity. I think between the Carol Corps. Uh, getting so much attention and people now being more aware of the character and the character's recent events in Infinity and so on and so forth. I think that as the female heroes uh, become more important and become bigger in the grand scheme of things, 
that a lot of people that missed out on the series or perhaps felt like they couldn't jump on once her popularity kind of rose mm-hmm. towards the the latter half of that series. I think all of those people that were curious are going to come on to the new title. Um, I think it's going to happen with both Miss Marvel and Captain Marvel, mm. because I think that the Captain Marvel crowd is going to definitely be up for the G. Willow Wilson's Miss mm. uh, Marvel. So I think that by extension, you're going to see like a huge surge in the, in both characters, maybe Carol more so, but um, I wouldn't be surprised if that, skyrockets her in popularity and she ends up possibly leading a team of some sort mm. uh down the road so just getting getting her own version of the avengers mm-hmm. uh mm. quite possibly so right. something that i would very much like to see all right cool bob i have one that's a little more toward the business side mm-hmm. and and flailing around with this this afternoon uh, my local comic store fella frank from long island comics chimed in with a, a little addendum to it but I think by the time we get to the end of this year that the independent share of the marketplace is just going to continue to grow and grow. And I think by the end of December, you'll see it nearing 50%. And as he was describing to me with the licensed book from comics like Dynamite mm. and movie stuff and, and from other properties, toys and cartoons or whatever, that superheroes, there are just so many that critical mass begins to mm. some people who are discovering these other books. That brings in other readers which then starts to change the focus. Image with all their great creator-owned books is going to shift a little bit. It's still going to be a mostly superhero business, mm-hmm. but I really think that we're looking now at what Marvel and DC combined are usually around 60, 62, yeah, depending. Yeah, something like that, yeah. I think it's going to get knocked down. Mm. All right, cool. Very nice. Uh, well, you, I, just, I, had, I had something that's very similar. I'll we'll okay. come back around to it. Yeah. So I have one, and it sort of goes goes kind of what you're saying a little bit too. Um, I think uh, this is the kind of specific person as well, but I think when uh, Robert Kirkman's new book Outcast uh, launches, it's going to break into the top ten, if not the top five, in sales for for its first month uh, of sales. I think it's going to be a huge, huge win for Image, and I think that even though I think that. Even though Invincible, which is obviously another book Kirkman writes, hasn't taken off like Walking Dead, I think that was because it was already very high in its numbering. But time Walking Dead became the thing it's become, I think with this book coming out, I think it's going to, I think it's going to be huge. I think it's going to be unbelievable when it launches. How big we're going to see that book be? At least first first month. Who knows what happens in its preceding mm-hmm. months? But I think that it's going to be something that people possibly who maybe have been on the outside of the walking dead who haven't been reading it. Those very few people because it's so high numbering and they haven't wanted to dive in. This is something they, they know that they know his name. I, I think, uh, that it's, yeah. I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be a giant. Hmm. Um, there you go. Uh, Stephanie. Well, adding on to that, um, my prediction is, uh, that for the end of the year, bestsellers, uh, the walking dead has dominated the trades list for, I don't know, years now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think at the end of this year, Saga will take up the top spots, the trades for volumes one, two, and three. All right. Hmm. Hmm. Do you think that? Do you think that there is a? I mean, other than obviously quality, do you think there's going to be some sort of, like, let's say, broader something that's going to happen in the Saga universe, like a hints of maybe even hints of TV show or movie or something that's going to set. Um, push it up maybe but i mean it's already up there yeah and i mean the walking dead to be fair 
isn't that great anymore and is up there because people watching the show want to read the comics yeah, and absolutely. see what's going to happen. But Saga is already up there without any of that other stuff. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, if that were to happen, if like a movie, a TV show or some sort of spinoff of Saga were to happen, like that would definitely skyrocket them. But I think even without that, the quality of Saga greatly outweighs the Walking Dead, and on that merit alone, it'll wind up at the top spot because so many people spread the good word of it. Nice. All right. Hmm. Cool. Awesome. Steve. All right. Well, to add to Bob's, uh, he pretty much he he blanketed it with you know all independent titles. But I have a prediction. I mean, this is kind of a no brainer. But I think that Image Comics we're going to see them uh, move up the charts in terms of sales and popularity as of this year. Uh, it seems that a lot of more creators, frustrated or otherwise, are looking to kind of enjoy the work environment that Image seems to be known for and to create. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that the freedom to come up with their own stories and not censor themselves or not, you know, bow to other stories happening within the universe, that we're going to see more and more known uh, writers and artists go to them for their, you know, their other stories. And I know that that's already happening, but I think that you're going to see more announcements. I know we just got a whole bunch of really exciting stuff announced, but I think there's going to be even more throughout the year that as things, as books turn over, as people leave projects, I think we're going to see more and more of them wind up over at Image, and Image is going to start to climb up, so to speak. They might do it slowly, but I think you're going to you're going to see a huge bump uh, for them by the end of the year that... Like everybody's gonna know image if they don't already that the big two in like maybe another year or so might not just be the big two. There might be a third mm-hmm. to come along well, and join the party. Speak on to that. That's actually already happened. Mm-hmm. Their Ooh. sales have See, jumped up right. enormously from yeah. like December to January. Like at the Image Expo, they actually had a ton of graphs and charts showing how the numbers had spiked for twenty fourteen. And it was just the beginning of the year. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's already happening. Mm. But um, the titles that may or may not come probably won't get announced until next year mm-hmm. since a lot. Of, well, I'm sure there'll be more, but yeah, yeah there'll definitely, there'll definitely be more. Yeah, I think, you know, like a toward- lot of them will, the big ones will be waiting because, you know, until the projects get shifted around and, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, it's like I said, I think, you know, we already have a bunch of cool image stuff to look forward to. They just wrapped the Image Expo and we heard about a bunch of exciting stuff. But as you know, as we know, in the world of comics, things don't always work out the way that they were solicited or planned or whatever, that there's going to be at least a few announcements of stuff later in the year where it's like this person left here, but they've got this story that they wanted to tell for a long time. And maybe it's not coming out this year, but we'll at least know about it. Mm. So yeah. I just I just think they're going to more and more people are going to be prone to pick up uh, an image label book as opposed to always buying Marvel or DC. Mm. So awesome. All right, Bob, uh, we're doing business. I'll do one mm-hmm. more business one. I can't tell you which company, but one smaller company or larger micro company that now does books will go all digital. Mm. Yeah, they may print trade collections but the monthly issue will be gone they'll just be available over the internet yeah i mean that that's a very good prediction i think i think you're you're probably very right about that there's gonna be i mean a monkey brain obviously already does it 
Um, but but someone now doing someone books now, goes yeah, backwards. Goes backwards. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think I think there's some potentials out there. Obviously, might being something we don't even really think about. You know, I don't. I, who knows? I mean, who knows how? Uh, you know, I mean, that might be something that happens to a company like Valiant, who puts out a very select mm-hmm. gr- grouping of books. You know, and is obviously very viable, but maybe their print costs are getting out of hand for them or something, and now they put out trades and they put out digitally. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good prediction. I think that's a that's really sound. Um, sort of in, in, a little bit in the, in the digital kind of vein. Um, I, I think this year is definitely the year it's got to happen. I think DC launches their Marvel Unlimited like service, which is their subscri- subscription digital. You know, back issue, pay this amount of money a month and get access to all of these books. I just think it. <laughs> It doesn't make it makes too much sense, and I think that um, what I think it, and I think especially for a company who I, I always feel like DC um, has always done a, a better job, at least in marketing wise, marketing storylines. You know, I feel like when you talk about great storylines, there is a, a bigger chunk of DC ones you think of than you think of Marvel. I mean, you think of like Spider Man, you think more of just like creator mm-hmm. runs or whatever i think there are just there's just too many they've done such a good job of singling out stories and when you go to those graphic novels there's all these it's batman this and, and, and green lantern that and you're like oh i really want to read this this story i think that they have too many and too good a history to, to leave it alone and leave all that money on the table which i know they're not making because it must be making marvel money money or they wouldn't do it so it's it's gotta oh, happen great idea hmm. yeah i think it's gotta happen uh only so, you have to wait a year to read the new books. Yeah, I mean, that's fine. I don't care about that. I don't even care about the new books. I want to read the old stuff. Yeah. You know, I really want to go back and read through, uh, you know, Jeff John's Green Lantern run. That, that would cost me so much money if I were to put together. It would cost me so much money that I'll never do it. It's you know? Right, but a $10 monthly cost. Yeah, I'd do it. Yeah. You know, I'd absolutely do it. I want Sandman available. Yeah, I mean, they would be because it would be vertical. All that stuff, all that great stuff yeah. would be there. And and I think it would open up a whole new world for them. I think you should write an email. Yeah. Get the ball rolling. <laughs> I'm sure that they're going to really listen to me. Um, uh, Stephanie, what, what about you? Uh, this is going back to what I believe Steve already said, but uh, in regards to Captain Marvel, I think that uh, Miss Marvel, supposing that the quality is there, it's going to be a breakaway hit. And, um, you know, Captain Marvel and Miss Marvel will feed off of each other. And, you know, the creator-owned books like Black Widow will start inspiring creators to take risks with female characters and Mm -hmm. to put these incredible teams uh, on more solo books for females and draw in a crowd that, um, for many years, they didn't think existed. Yeah, I mean, I think that Miss Marvel is going to be one of those things where... I think it's going to turn to something bigger than, than the books themselves. I think you're going to see shirts and mm-hmm. and memorabilia and stuff. I think there's going to be Miss Marvel shirts and like in Hot Topic and stuff. Like, you know, I think there's going to be. I think you're going to see people wearing those shirts who have no idea what the comic books are. It's just going to become a, a yeah. thing. I think even more than probably Captain Marvel. It, you know, the is going bolt. to is just because I think that the the the, the way they're positioning the character. Um, the the obviously the gender and ethnicity of the character i think all of those things are 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 perfectly poised to be a, more a cultural symbol more than even a yeah. um a comic book the age char- of the character too yeah the age as well yes absolutely yeah yeah bring it on mm. steve well 
This probably, well, I don't know if it goes without saying because it is a risk, mm. but uh, I think that Guardians of the Galaxy is going to be a tremendous success mm. and that it's going to pave the way for more outrageous concepts and stories to be told in film and in comics. Uh, I wrote all this down. I think it will spark a curiosity in people. Perhaps it will even compel people to try more series that they're unfamiliar with. I think that everybody's kind of gotten a little comfortable with the Avengers. Not to say that they've dipped in quality. They haven't. If mm. anything, their things are getting better. Mm. Um, um, ooh. Wow. There was no, an echo. Yeah, there was an echo. <laughs> yeah. Ooh. We're getting an echo getting for getting some reason. Echo. Oh. Yeah. Oh, maybe it's my echo, phone? Echo, echo, echo. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so, anyway, I think that there's going to be like a, a mass. Everybody goes to see these movies. Mm-hmm. You know, the Avengers made how much? Like a billion dollars? Over a billion, billion dollars. Over a billion dollars? Billion Something like that? A billion and a half. Okay. So Guardians of the Galaxy is going to come along, and everybody's going to be curious about it. Everybody's going to be weird. And the people that go and see it and they love it, they're going to shout it from the rooftops. The internet's going to blow up, and everybody's going to be like, well, what the hell is this Guardians of the Galaxy thing? And they're going to go in, and they're going to see a, a walking, grunting tree. They're going to see a you know a jive-talking, not jive-talking, but like a smart aleck raccoon. And you just it's going to, hopefully, it's going to be funny. It's going to be action-packed, and it's going to carry a little bit of a different tone and vibe to it. But I think that people are really going to enjoy it. Mm-hmm. And be like they didn't want to do magic i think after guardians of the galaxy it's safe to say that you can venture into the realm of magic within the marvel universe mm-hmm. uh so and i i guarantee i'm guarantee i'm calling it now that the ra- rocket raccoon plushie is going to be a hit at christmas <laughs> yeah so you'll be able to find it though no no, no. <laughs> you go to the disney store yeah <laughs> yeah there you go i feel like it's gonna it's gonna be like the losers in space Mm-hmm. But with a raccoon with a machine gun and a giant budget, yeah. Well, yeah, but like it has that feel, like that vibe, that yeah. sort of dark comedy mm-hmm. in space, kind of misfits who fight crime in yeah. space. Yeah, absolutely. I just rewatched uh, The Losers about two months ago, and it's still so good. I love that movie. Oh, it's awesome! So much. Chris Evans, like that, might be one of his best movies. I agree. So underrated. I'm going to kill you with my mind. (laughs) Mind bullets. (laughs) I've not seen it. I'll have to see it. You haven't seen it? Oh, it's it's good. It's fun. It's It's like, I I got really bad. It did really terrible in theaters, I believe. Yeah. But like, I think they built it up to be something that it wasn't, and then people were disappointed. Mm. But if you kind of just enjoy it for what it is, it's great. Yeah. It's um, Idris Alba, right? Yep. Uh, Chris Evans. Um Jeffrey Dean Morgan. Jeffrey Dean Morgan. That's wow, what a great cast. Uh, uh, you, you heard, uh, what's her name? What's her name? Oh, oh. Zoe Saldana? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's the one. Huh? Yeah. Yeah, no, it's it's cool. It's based on a, I think it's Jock, not Jock, uh, yeah. Andy, Diggle, Andy Diggle and Jock, I mm-hmm. think, are the, are the, is, the, is the comic book. Yeah, yeah my friend, uh, my friend Michelle was a, a big fan of the comics, and she she brought me to see it in the theaters, oh, cool. and I had to sit there with her, like, squeeing into her hoodie the entire time. <laughs> yeah. She's a huge Chris Evans fan. She's like, he keeps changing his t-shirt just like he does in the comic, oh my god! <laughs> like, whoa, calm down. He's being shirtless. Yeah, but if, <laughs> if, it's going to end up being the losers in space. I will see that. 
Well, no, that's what I'm saying. That yeah. wasn't meant to be a bad thing. No, at all. well, yeah. I, I didn't say it was a bad thing, Stephanie. <laughs> um, Super pumped. Cool. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, they announced that thing with um, uh, uh, Abnet and Lanning, who obviously did the run before they brought them back in this run, are doing kind of like the movie, like a kind of prequel to the movie book. Uh, for Marvel, sweet uh, for Guardians of the Galaxy, so it's pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Bob. Well, we're doing movie stuff. I think this year Marvel will announce a Captain Marvel film, and they'll actually get that to, to movie theaters before there's a Wonder Woman movie. Mm-hmm. Well, that's going to definitely be true now that they push yeah. back Batman Superman. Uh, yeah, I mean, well, yeah, it's gonna be tough because I don't know if they're gonna do Phase Three stuff this year. Yeah, no, but um, a Wonder Woman standalone film. Yeah, yeah, no, I know. I, knew, I, I, is, I meant yeah. like I meant. Announced phase three stuff right. this year, but if they do, yeah, I think it'll be on the slate. There was something uh, announced, not announced earlier, predicted earlier on JoeBlow.com about uh, Captain America three. Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, I'm, that seems like a no-brainer. That's gonna. Yeah, it will happen. But happen. the guys directing this one are apparently already in negotiation to do a third one, so they oh, must yeah. think much of what they're seeing. Yeah, Sweet. absolutely. Um. So uh, this it is not really directly to do with movies, but it's it's something in there um uh because of the ant-man movie i I think that uh the abandoned ant-men book that matt fraction talked about us with Mm -hmm. us on the show when he was our guest will come back um featuring pym and lang which makes absolute sense now you know what the movie is going to be about um i I think fraction is going to be the writer on the book um i don't know who the artist can be but my 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 wish is chris samney that's my wish for the ant-man book can see that <laughs> absolutely that. yeah yeah so there you go that's a prediction from me i'm excited mm, about that. Like that and i think we're down to our last one so stephanie well i was going to say that uh fiona staples becomes the first female to win an eisner for best artist but i looked it up at actually pia goera mm-hmm. had already won an eisner in there so that is just not a thing but right. hopefully she will win oh but- that's why you said before the show started that you didn't know she yeah. was a woman. Okay. <laughs> yeah, because I was I, I tied in. Gotcha. Um, but my actual number five is there will be more comics about cats this year. <laughs> and, you know, like Cat Avengers, because we can never have enough goddamn Avengers titles. So why not Cat Avengers? Hmm? I ask you that, Marvel. You well, all the you, can't dispute that. You do know that, like, the, the new thing, right? And the, these all the Marvel now is the animal variants. Right. Yes. So there you go. She but she she wants something beyond the variant. I do. No, I know. I, I know. I'm the saying. interiors too. I want cats with superpowers fighting things. I want cat Hulk. Well, have you read Action Cat? Yes. Duh. <laughs> they did have the <laughs> Pet stupid. Avengers a few years ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They Pardon? did the pet, pet Avengers. They did the Pet Avengers a few years ago. I specifically want cats. <laughs> <laughs> well, if the internet has any say, you'll get it. <laughs> the Catastic Four. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like my print on my wall. I would also accept that. Also acceptable, Marvel. Just X-cats. saying. cats If you're X-cats. going to have 10,000 Avengers X-Men titles and blah, 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 uh, I would, however, approve and not complain about Cat Avengers. All right. There you go. <laughs> Cat Avengers. Write it. Do it. Go. <laughs> See. Just send a check. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're welcome, Marvel. Mm-hmm. Um, this is not so much a prediction as a, a dream, a dream of a, a little boy with a heart of gold. Oh boy. Uh-huh. <laughs> Neil Young. Is this somebody yeah. else's dream? No. <laughs> um, or a nightmare. Yeah. Whoa. All right. So 
I would love, all right, I'm predicting, but I would love if Marvel and Disney would team up to bring classic characters together in a sort of what-if concept a la Kingdom Hearts uh, aimed at younger audiences, or perhaps a mixture if uh, the Maleficent movie that's coming out, if it turns out to be a big hit, if they perhaps try to merge the properties together, or at least attempt to merge them, even if it's a mini but just to have the classic Disney characters with the Marvel heroes mm. in some kind of a in a book you're talking about in a yeah. comic, oh, okay. yeah, in a comic, like you know the collide, the worlds collide. Yeah, 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 I get you. You know, yeah. Ultron versus Mickey. Yeah, yeah, you know, like like you know, if the movie, if the Maleficent movie, she winds up being like the Hela mm-hmm. of of the Disney universe. I just I love Kingdom Hearts. Kingdom Hearts three has been announced mm. for the PS4, and it's been on my mind. And I would just with the Seekers of the Weird. That was just released. I would like to see more Disney-related properties come into the Marvel Universe, and what better way to do that than to merge the worlds? I mean, it's infinite possibilities yeah. for something like that. Well, they've got they got if it's not this year. They're going to do it. There's no way they won't do it. It just makes too much sense. It's too much of a money well, making. I hope. I hope one day to see the solicit where we get one of those words and it's just Mickey ears. I'll freak <laughs> did, out. Yeah. Did you hear about this? Is it a comic book? But did you hear about the Disney show that they're doing with the Disney villains' children? I have. First oh. of all, like that's sort of like a rip off of the Runaways. Second of all, <laughs> didn't half of these characters die? When did they have time to spawn children? I think you're being just very saying. literal. Stephanie, being very literal. <laughs> Didn't Gaston fall off the cliff? I mean, come on. Children, <laughs> I just, I want a character that uses their jaw as their weapon. That chiseled jaw just button headbutts people. Disney villain clone high. There you go. Yeah. There's a bunch of things that you, I'm just saying. It's untapped potential that eventually someone is going to come along and say, hey, we have all the, all the things are in our wheelhouse. Let's try this. Hopefully, 2014 will be that year. Mm-hmm. If not, when we do this next year, I'll say it again. Say it again. <laughs> I'll, I'll star it in my so phone. Next year. Save for next year. <laughs> Keep talking about it until it happens, so you'll be right. That could work. Um, Bob? Uh, Marvel will rebrand every book, either X or Avengers, just in time for the triple-shipped event War of the Age of the Secret Invasion of Your Wallet. No. <laughs> Not, that's not a real prediction, but that may actually come true. Yes. No, my actual it's prediction... It's already come true, Bob. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, I don't know what you're talking about. Um, my actual prediction is that Marvel, by the end of the year, will go to a volume numbering system instead of actually numbering the books. Yeah. I think that's a very good prediction. I mean, they've already kind of hinted at that, right? That I, I, Who was it? Was it Casada who was talking about it? There was an interview or with somebody. Alonzo, I think it yeah, was. It was Axel Alonso who was talking about it. Um, and, and he said... He said basically, he said... Look, we know it's it's a, it can be a pain in the ass to collect books. He's like, but if it means keep getting keep getting to make comic books, Look, we're gonna do it. You know, that's that's kind yeah. of what he said. And that is the problem. It's great for you know, it keeps the price guide looking normal. It yeah. keeps people's long boxes normal. Yeah. My friend Frank was saying, what happens if you've got all these books now in the box and it falls over? Mm. How do you decide which ones are which? Mm. Because it's one, two, three. You got to open them inside and look at what year they came out, and yeah. it'll just be back on the cover. They used to put the months on the cover, right? Yeah. So let's just uh, do that. It'll be 2015 May. Yeah, and yeah. we'll figure it all out. And if that lets us have Daredevil and Captain mm. Marvel and Hawkeye, as opposed to having these books disappear, if this gets more people energized to buy books because they're not looking at, sadly. 
really well-received books like Journey into Mystery mm. not being sold because it said 614 on the cover. Yeah. Well, who cares what number's on the yeah. cover? Rather yeah. have the book. Exactly. And I think that it also gives a, I think it gives the companies a certain frame of mind that goes, okay, like, we're doing it in volume, so we'll do 12 Journey into Mysteries. You know, we'll do 12 of them. We're, if, if only committed to 12, we'll do the year and then we'll stop. We're not going to stop it at seven. Like, that doesn't yeah. make any sense. So I, I feel like it will at least give some books that maybe wouldn't have the chance to at least finish out their stories the chance to finish out their stories. And they might even grow in that extra couple they of months. Could, that you absolutely. could then put them back in the schedule. Yeah, Stephanie, it sounded like you wanted to say something. Yeah, um, at Image Expo, I heard like a bunch of retailers talking at like um, uh it was like a meeting with the creators where they could talk about things they could do to improve their books, Mm -hmm. like how they market them for retailers. Mm -hmm. Um, And one of the things that someone brought up and said was enormously helpful. And I didn't think I, we've talked about it before, but in seasons, like morning glory's dead. And um, I never really thought that that was an effective way to market your books necessarily. But um, the woman that had spoken up mentioned that so many people actually uh, it's a lot easier for them to process it like Mm -hmm. to be like oh okay I should this this and this like blah 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 like if it's done in seasons as opposed to volumes yeah well whatever you kind of exactly whatever you Mm -hmm. kind of label or you call it I think you're absolutely right I think it it is a for people outside of the comic book reading kind of populace like volume is still I think a little bit nebulous to to people what it means but if you say season people know what a season of TV Mm -hmm. show means um, but you, also, you know. too, I think, like, Morning Glory is, like, not, like, Volume 1 isn't Season 1. Like, Volume 1 and 2 is, like, Season 1. Yeah, no, yes. So, but, but, I mean, you know, yeah. like, yes. um, start releasing them in things like that as well. Yeah. Where it's, like, maybe more than one volume, but it encapsulates, like, a whole um, complete part of the story as, you know, decided by the creative team. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think, yes, I think, yeah. exactly, I think we're all kind of talking about the same thing just in different different ways to do it but mm. yeah I, I think absolutely I think that you you absolutely see it you know I think that people were picking up Morning Glory was very smart about it too because they made that that first issue of the second season like a dollar or whatever it was which is a very smart move to do but yeah I think you're absolutely I think it mm. saves books that might not uh, be selling and it doesn't hurt books that are selling I, I, I think so I think it's a it's a good way to go either mm-hmm. way um all right, um, that's a very good prediction, Bob. That's okay. very, very good. Uh, mine is one. Mine's it's not, it's not silly, but it's one that's more. I we, I have some direct control over this this prediction, but I'm predicting that after a, a very strong start of the year with Black Science and Deadly Class, that Rick Remender will be nominated for Writer of the Year of 2014 when we get to the Talking Comics Awards at the end of the year. So that, that you're speaking from personal experience. Yeah, I'm giving a you know I'll put I can put my hat in the ring, but um. Yeah, I just I I've th- these the two creator and books obviously are very very early um in, in their runs but uh have been really standouts to me and Deadly Class number one is one of the best number ones I've read in in, in a very long time and Black Science is is tone and theme is really engaging to me so and I think he's been really hitting the top of his game there and I think Uncanny Avengers has also been uh, really great. Um, Plus he has Low coming out too, right? Is yeah. That- yes. Yeah. Low from Image. Yeah. Yeah. He's got a lot of stuff. The year of the remender. The year of remender. He's a funny people. Remender, remender. <laughs> Fifth of November. Yeah. Fifth of remender. The Fifth of remender. Um, oh boy. Yep. Yep. It's we went. Gonna, no, we yeah. went there. That's it. Can't stop. Won't stop. Um, all right. So. Oh no. <laughs> let's go to our. Uh, let's go to our listeners here. Um, 
at Dur underscore Lobster on Twitter says, Image will kick some ass for sure. Um, at R Zachoa says, I think an Ant-Man solo is on the horizon. Maybe a Doctor Strange solo too. Uh, at Jig Hughes said, uh, Nathan Edmondson and Mitch Gar- Garads, definitely the up and coming creators of 2014. Um, uh, let's go see here. Uh, Josh, the beer snob says <laughs> Marvel is going to jump, is going to jump books to $5. Um, mm. at Ryan Carroll says the guardians will be huge. I bet on omnibus of the Abnet landing written run. The one that inspired the movie by December. Um, Makes a lot of sense. Hmm. <laughs> the DVD will just about be on the shelves. Logan hmm. Rowland, uh, for some reason, is simpatico with Stephanie and says, I don't know why, and I'm not wanting this at all, but I have this feeling that Snyder will leave Batman after zero year. Hmm. Um, he also said, I think it will be the year of independent comics and a year for women in comics. Pretty excited about both of those. Um, Stephanie said, oh, man, for those listening to At Talking Comics Podcast, I am loopier than normal on this week's show. So much coffee. True. So much coffee. And then a lot of people were like, oh, yeah, I can't wait. I, I love coffee, too. So that all happened. Um, <laughs> I predict. Yeah, yeah. It's a coffee party. It's a coffee party. Have our own brand of coffee. Talking uh, Comics cookie, Coffee. Cookie party we should have. Our, our, our buddy, uh, uh, Repstones. Said, uh, what about Gambit? All new X Factor is a hit. Gambit gets a new solo series and becomes everyone's favorite X Man. <laughs> I'm sh- hopefully, I waitly listens to the show. Today. Some more dreams. <laughs> oh, poor, poor PB. Non. Um, so Rob Antonucci says, and he kind of goes along with something you said it as well, Bob. He said, I predict that renumbering will be a, will be a bigger deal with TV seasons and binge watching. Huh? I think the industry will revisit renumbering and branding arcs in a new way. Um, uh, Sammy Cassell says there will be at least three major surprise Marvel movies announced this year. Um, Does he say which ones? No, he doesn't say which. Oh, ones. does not say which damage ones. control. Um, Deadpool. Squirrel uh, Girl. <laughs> Deadpool, didn't they already announce a Deadpool movie? Well, they they announced that it's being worked on, but it has it's like in development hell. Yeah, whatever. They have a script and I'm a okay with that. Um, from because uh, cover bit something comes out that Stephanie doesn't is not interested in. I'm not, just saying, not allowed. I'm just, I'm just saying, <laughs> not allowed. I'm okay with that. That's all. Um, uh, Brett says the new Sandman book will be top. We'll top your year-end lists for 2014. kind of forgot that it existed. Well, it hasn't been out. It's only one issue. The second exactly. issue comes out sometime in February. Um, or uh, never. Douglas says, I predict, I predict that Image comes real close to DC and Marvel in sales. I think Boom will have a good year, led by Adventure Time. I think He said, I think it's like when Comedy Central started airing South Park and then used it to launch other shows that become popular. Um, he's also interested to see what Dark Horse will do to fill the Star Wars size hole coming, in, in, uh, coming this year. Hmm. Um, Scott Brady says, I think a lot of Hawkeye fans will give She-Hulk a try. A solo book with a lighter tone uh, than most drawn by Javier Polito for $2.99. It practically is Hawkeye. Um, Dan Sim says, it may sound like a joke, but I think the new Stephanie Brown will actually be black. She had to have her back turned and a hoodie up in the teaser for a reason. Um, uh, Scott Brady also said, mm-hmm. uh, Bitch Planet is a great title. If the buzz is good, it, it could be a real hit. Um, Adam Garza says a new Robin will come out this year uh, and Joe Mad will only draw five of the Inhuman issues uh, and then <laughs> uh, Damian Patrick Wim says um, 
I think DC and Marvel will ditch the whole superhero thing and just do old school romance books. <laughs> uh, mind you, I have a history of getting predictions wrong. Uh, he says, uh, people will realize how awesome the Sentry is. He'll get rescued from Uncanny Avengers and be given Marvel's new flagship title. All new romance tales, one point now, featuring the Sentry. <laughs> get your pre-orders in now. <laughs> um, and Dyer Harris says, all, an all-ages comic will come out and sell gangbusters. It won't have come from the big two. Hmm. Wow. I have one more now. Oh, I, I do too. Yeah, Bob, Bob has, you know, eight pages of, of notes. I have just a couple of more. <laughs> um, what, what's, your, what's your other one, Stephanie? Francesco Francavello will break into drawing movie posters as well. So then he'll be drawing basically everything, you know, like comic books, every comic book. He'll draw like 90% of comic books. <laughs> and then he'll draw like, you know, maybe 75% of the TV shows that are good. Mm-hmm. And. Mm, we'll say like 30% of the good movies that come out this year. He'll do posters for them. Maybe some coloring books too. Mm, Yeah. (laughs) Maybe he'll illustrate some novels. Yeah, sure. He'll just do everything. Mm -hmm. I like it. Exactly. Some DVD art criterion maybe. Yeah. Did you see the, uh, the, what was it? Like the Batman 1880s thing he's doing now on Twitter. Oh my God. Sidebar. He'd do great film noir criterion covers. Yeah, he would. Carry on. Absolutely. Uh, Bob, what are some of your other predictions you got there? Image will publish a creator-owned book with the issues out of order, and no one will notice because they're all waiting for the trades. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be like Memento. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and still, the third issue of Jupiter's Legacy will not come out. Right. Or the fourth <laughs> issue, whatever we're waiting for now. I don't remember what it is. <laughs> uh, DC will have an LOL month featuring Ambush, Bug, and Sugar and Spike, but the dark versions, and a miniseries uh, tie-in event mega series with supporting characters month featuring action-packed issues centered on perry white alfred and the guy who makes the rogues costumes all with electronic lcd covers <laughs> i shouldn't have said that out loud because now that's probably going to do those it those three books sounded pretty good to me until you said the lcd covers i would read a book about <laughs> perry white and alfred and the guy who makes the costumes for the rogues <laughs> i i totally have one more sure okay um Bob gets hired on by IDW to come up with the new titles for the Transformers books. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take that job. <laughs> All right. Bob? One that's semi-serious. Okay. I predict that the new Ultimate Universe is not going to fly very well. Like sales-wise, you mean? Yeah. Okay. It may be excellent, mm. but I, I think they've alienated a bunch of folks with it going away and then mm. not, and they played with their affections. Yeah. Possibly. Toyed with their hearts. Yes. I, I think the issue it runs into mainly is that I don't know if it, what is it anymore? You know, what, what it's kind of lost its purpose. And if you're mm-hmm. just going to rebrand everything, I like the ideas a lot of the books are doing. I think the team sound cool. I think keeping Miles as the center of, yeah, of the absolutely. universe is all great. I just think that why not just bring them in to the other universe and, and that way you don't have to worry about like this. This I think there's a little bit of a stigma on that brand now, but we'll see what happens. Yeah. That. Um, you have any more, Bob? Nope. Okay. Uh, Stephanie, do you have any, any more you want to share with us? Not at the moment. Okay. Not at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> um, so before we get into the, 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 the new releases, I want to read uh, an email we got uh, from a listener named Akeem who uh, is a big fan of Fables and wanted to talk about the ending of it. Uh, hi, my name is Akeem and I've been listening to you guys since around midsummer. Um, he said, I like you guys' points of views, though I do tend to favor DC over Marvel as, as my publisher of choice. 
Um, he got into comics by, of all things, manga. I started reading manga in middle school as it was easily available to me and my school and neighborhood library offered a great variety. After being sucked into the world of manga for a few years, I wanted to see what the American counterpart had to offer. I was not thrilled to see that most publishers only offer a particular storyline on a monthly basis, but I was able to find a few things that drew my interest. A Spider-Man story, something Batman, and a Green Lantern story. While visiting New York, I discovered the first trade volume of Fables and immediately fell in love. Bill W. does a beautiful job of breathing new life into childhood characters, and his universe building is just, excuse the word, epic. I have not been able to find anyone else that has made me rethink these characters and grow so close to them since I started collecting his work. On that note, I was very sad to hear that he is ending the series next year, though as an amateur writer, I can understand the need to move into something new. I just hope as a fan that he provides us with the finale that the series deserves. The reason I'm writing to you now is because I wanted to ask for you for your guys' recommendations on similar works that I might be able to get into. By similar, I mean things that have been going on for a while that have a lot of meaningful characterization and character development. After hearing the name Neil Gaiman dropped like everywhere, I have started reading his original Sandman series, and I have to say that I can see why he gets so much praise. I have also started reading Lucifer, since the artwork seemed very similar, and I have grown to like it as well. If you guys could recommend anything else, I would greatly appreciate it, and Happy New Year. Boy, it's saving up to be a good year for the nerds. <laughs> mm-hmm. So thank you, well, Akeem. Lucifer is a spinoff of Sandman. Yes. Yeah, so... Yes. Makes sense why he enjoys it. Um, mm-hmm. The Unwritten is probably a good one for you to, to check out if you if you like fables. It's got a kind of a similar um, uh, idea behind it, and it's it's literary characters uh, in real life. Except it's it's kind of the idea behind Unwritten is kind of like what if Harry Potter was kind of a real person? Like what if he based on a real person? Based on a real yeah. person, yeah, exactly. So uh, it's it's cool. I mean, it dives into the literary stuff. It's diving into into fantasy and stuff, and it, it has. You know, really good characterizations, really beautiful art. So uh, I've only read uh, a volume of it, but the volume I read w- was... It's really was good. Yeah. And those covers. Oh, the covers oh. are amazing, yeah. I, I can't ever pronounce the person's name who does them, but they're just stunning, and I would buy every issue of that comic just for the covers. <laughs> but it's really good. That's a great recommendation. And there's actually a Fables Unwritten event where um, basically, like, as you get into the book, there's other literary bits that kind of pop in like there's some stuff with like Moby Dick and um other like I I don't know how to quite explain it but they can kind of jump into storybooks okay um and so uh, I like they at one point will like they jump into Moby Dick and this isn't spoilers like it's better explained obviously when you read it but later on um one of the final arcs of the unwritten um they actually jump into the fables world so it's not like a crossover you don't need to collect both fables and the unwritten to get it and it's not you don't need like previous knowledge of fables to understand the characters are just present mm-hmm. in the story of the unwritten so yeah that's Very cool. it's it's really awesome and i'm assuming um, if he reads fables that he reads fairest but yeah i was gonna say. probably do that if if he likes fables. <laughs> that is very, very good. Yeah. And also they have the uh, Cinderella trades by Chris Roberson and covers by uh, Chrissy Zulo and I think art by Sean McManus. Um, the Jack of Fables stuff. Let's see. I'm looking at like, trades. Did he say he'd read Why the Last Man? No, he didn't say anything about Why the Last Man. Well, that. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I mean, it's not oh, sorry. characters you would know about necessarily because it's all original, but it's, yeah. it's pretty, um, it connects you pretty 
heavily to the characters in that world. Yeah, I mean, I think he wants a deep characters, like big, big series, like huge series. Mm-hmm. So I think that that definitely fits the bill for that one. Bobby, you have anything you want to write? I am drawing a complete blank as to the artist, but Alan Moore's League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Okay. You know, forget the movie, Mm. which was not as awful as everyone thinks, but Mm. had problems. Books Mm. are great and Mm. very literary, lots of inclusions of diary and weird pages and also Mm -hmm. news releases. Very, very good work. Not Kevin O'Neill, is it? Kevin O'Neill, yes. Absolutely right. Thank you, Stephanie. Good one. Very good. That's that's a great recommendation. Steve, you have anything you want to recommend? I had one and I lost it. <laughs> um, if you want to, I'll give me a second. Okay. We'll, we can come back around. But yeah, those are some recommendations and I think Steve will throw one at you uh, <laughs> later on. But uh, yeah, thank you so much for writing in. That It, it was a great email. Thank you oh, very much, Akeem. Sweet Tooth. Oh, there you go. Yeah, that's a great one. Yeah, Sweet Tooth is uh, 40 issues and 40 issues of, I. you want to talk about character development mm. and impact? Whoa. Um, and, and check out uh, also we've talked about it in the past several times uh, it's a quick uh, seven issue but check out I Kill Giants by Joe Kelly mm. yes I have to get my copy of that back I love <laughs> you don't have, yeah. that no, book didn't, didn't you let Jackie borrow it yeah yeah okay like a year ago there so, you go. <laughs> so good she was working her way through it slowly yeah <laughs> and if you want to dive into the Hellboy universe oh yeah there's a lot of Hellboy there's a lot yeah. of Hellboy that you could uh, hey, uh the Hellboy would probably be a good one too because it's got a lot of historical elements it's got a mm-hmm. lot of connections it makes you rethink scenarios that probably you, you had ideas about before so yeah definitely check that out um alright so let's uh let's talk about the uh the releases that are out this week right now uh um, from Avatar Press, we've got Crossed Badlands, number 46, and Uber, number 9. From Boom Studios, we have Adventure Time, 2014, Winter Special, number 1. We've got um, Bravest Warriors, two, 2014, Annual, number 1. Garfield, uh, number 17. We've got... Um, nope, that's it from, from Boom. Uh, from Dark Horse, we've got Conan and the People of the Black Circle, number 404. Furious, number 1 which Stephanie mentioned. Mm. Uh, Never Ending, number three of three. Serenity, Leaves on the Wind, number one of six. Um, and Sledgehammer 44, Lightning War, number three. Uh, from DC Comics, we've got Adventures of Superman, number nine. All-Star Western, number 27. With Superman in it. Right, there you go. Aquaman, number 27. Batman and Robin, Annual, number two. Um, which I believe it has Dick Grayson back as Robin in that one. Uh, Batman the Dark Knight, number 27. Uh, Beware the Batman, number four. Catwoman, number 27. Damien, God, Son of Batman, be... number 404. <laughs> um, we've it got is. Dead Boy Detectives, uh, number two. Uh, Earth 2 Annual, number two. Fables, number 137. Flash, number 27. Forever Evil Argus, number four. Green Lantern Corps Annual, number two. Um, Green Team Teen Trillionaires, number eight, which is the final issue. They even know it was still being published. Yeah. Justice League Dark, number 27. Alara Fleas, number seven. Red Lanterns, number 27. Uh, we've got Smallville Season 11 Special, number four. Superman, number 27. Talon, number 15. Teen Titans, number 27. And World's Finest Annual number one my final world's finest uh from dynamite entertainment we've got army of darkness versus hack slash number five we've got um uh, oh there's an art of ramona Freden hardcover coming out yes there you go it's in our covers of the week oh there you go mm-hmm. um deja thoris and the green men of mars number 10 little sonia number one it's so cute <laughs> um shadow year one number seven of ten and warlords of mars number 33 she drinks mead out of a sippy cup that is very cute <laughs> 
I don't know if she does or not, but she should. It sounds adorable if that's what happens. <laughs> Ghostbusters, number 12. Uh, Godzilla, Rulers of Earth, number 8. This is IDW, by the way. Um, we've got Mr. Peabody and Sherman, number 4. Other Dead, number 5. Star Trek, number 29. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, number 30. And Transformers, Regeneration 1, number 98. I don't get a chance? Not on that one. Because you would have said More Than Meets the Eye or yes. Robots in the Sky. So but that's, not part of, that's not part of the... Oh, that's uh, true. The, the drinking the game. game. Exactly. Uh, from Image Comics, we have Black Science, number three. Bounce, number nine. Clone, number 14. Cyberforce, number eight. We've got East of West, number nine. Five Weapons, number six. Invincible, number 108. Revival, number 17. Saga, number 18. Saviors, number two. Super Dinosaur, number 21. Super Dinosaur. Thief of Thieves, number 19. And Witchblade, number 172. From Marvel Comics, we have got Avengers Assemble, number 23.inh. We've got Cataclysm, The Ultimate's Last Stand, number four. Guardians of the Galaxy, number 11.now. Inhumanity, number two, which used to be called Inhumanity Medusa. Um, (laughs) We've got uh, Miracle Man, number two. Knight of the Living Deadpool, number two of four. Revolutionary War, Knights of Pendragon, number one. We've got Superior Spider-Man, number 26. Thor, God of Thunder, number 18. Thunderbolts, number 21. Uncanny Avengers, number 16. Uncanny X-Force, number 17. And X-Men Legacy, number 23. Um, hmm. Let's see here. Um, and uh, oh, from Zenoscope. We've got Barmaid, number two. <laughs> Grim Fairy Tales presents Code Red, number two. Grim Fairy Tales, number 93. Uh, Tales from Oz, number one. And Hit List, number four. That barmaid sounds like a character that should be empowered. You yeah, know? It's, it's, a, it's a joke character, and it just happens to be in the wrong company. And it's spot. B period, A period, R period, made. Oh, big ass. It's probably something like that. Right. <laughs> big ass rack. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Sorry. I Don't had to be go sorry there. for that. That was awesome. Yeah, yeah. And probably n- n- it could be very well be true. So I don't, I don't I think. I wouldn't even put it past them. Yeah. So um, that's it for the releases that are on the shelves right now. If you guys want to get in touch with us, remember at Talking Comics on Twitter, um, podcast at TalkingComicBooks.com or Facebook.com slash Talking Comics. Um, and go to TalkingComicBooks.com and, and, and check out the reviews, columns, and videos. And go to the forums and sign up uh, to have some great conversations with some great comic book folks. This place is hopping, man. It is. Every time I go on it, there's things going on. Forum is hopping. Oh, we had something in the forum, too. They asked about the app because there's an app for the Pro Boards thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's missing some features. It's, it's kind of weird that it costs money because it's, it's missing features. It costs like three bucks. But the cool thing about it is that it will tell you everything that's unread and it will let you follow forums that you're, you're participating in. And it, for me personally, it makes it much easier because, you know, there are times sometimes where it will just log me out uh, uh, on my phone or on my, on my iPad and having the app, I, if I go there, I know it will always be there. So it, it's been pretty mm. good for me so far. It is three bucks, so mm. think about that. But it, it's been, if you use it a lot, I think it's, I think it, it's well worth it. Um, especially if you use it from your phone. Uh, my uh, personal Twitter is at Bobby Shortle. Steve? Mine is at dead underscore anchorus. Stephanie? I'm at Hello Cookie. And Bobby, email address? At Bob Breyer. At, what am I doing? <laughs> I'm so embarrassed over what I said before. <laughs> That's Bob Breyer at talkingcomicbooks.com. It's big ass rack. At <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> it just came to me. Start a fake Twitter account, big ass rack. Or <laughs> <laughs> tweeting as Bob. Um, <laughs> so yeah, that's that's it. Uh, guys, uh, make sure if you guys didn't ch- check it out live, check out the newest Talk Comics book club uh, about Strange Attractors. We get deep. It's on it's on the YouTube <laughs> channel. Uh, you can check that out. Um, also, Comics and Coffee is back again this Friday. Mara and I will be doing that. And uh, mm-hmm. look forward to some more uh, awesome content in the future. Yeah. All mm-hmm. around. Um, I'm toying with the idea. I'm trying to figure out a way to do something with Arrow, like some mm-hmm. sort of conversation or something, maybe on Thursday mornings or something like that. You know, sure. get some listeners in or something like that. Not really sure how we can do that yet, but if you guys are interested, let me know. I put it out in the forums, but if you guys are interested in that, let me know. Um, I just want to put something out there, yeah. too. Uh, we say it every now and again, but I just want to say I said it on the, the book club. Um, I just, you know, everybody loves, like, the forums are getting a lot of attention. The podcast gets a lot of attention. Uh, I do, just because we have the forums, uh, Bob and I were discussing this, we don't want the the articles and the hard work and everything that goes into the actual TalkingComicBooks.com to uh, fall by the wayside, just so you guys know, there is always killer, killer content going up on the main site by a lot of really great people and a lot of great writers who love books like you do. And just, you know, things that are new tend to get a lot of attention. There's a lot of amazing stuff going on on the site, too, and people are working very hard to bring you solid reviews, so don't forget to check those out. And throw comments on there, too. You can interact with the creator directly where there may not be a thread on the forum. absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, if you guys want to talk to very specific people about specific things, sometimes if you want to talk to uh, writers about it, commenting is the way to do that. Yeah. Um, absolutely. So uh, that's going to do it for this week's Talking Comics podcast. For Steve, bye bye, Bob. I'm going to sign up this way. It's for it's for our friend Repstones. I'm going to say Searshaw Ronan <laughs> and Stephanie. Bye. I have been Bobby. Until next time on Talking Comics, to be continued.